1: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 59. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Cazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday. Steelers Nation, a day before the Pittsburgh Steelers, will host the New England Patriots Thursday night at Acrisure Stadium for a crucial matchup for the Steelers, sitting at 7-5, and facing the 2-10 and New England Patriots. Got a great show for you guys today. Dave, before we start, the big news of the day, I want to get your opinion. What is your thoughts on the GTA 6 release, the trailer? I'm sure you were waiting for that one with bated breath.
2: You know everybody made such a, a big deal of it I did watch it I mean boy oh, did uh, you yeah I, I actually watch and I've never played that all right <laughs> uh, that that that's after my time I, I, I you gonna get me shaking my fist at the at, <laughs> at the, at <laughs> yes. the cl- old man uh, uh shaking his fist here uh I was busy working 60 70 hours a week when when video games started to progress like that <laughs> I didn't have time to play no damn Damn video games, and yeah, I'm a bit jealous because all we had, you know, when it, when I grew up, the big thing was man, when uh when when Space Invaders hit uh, Atari, you'd sit and play that for hours, and then the big the big game, I think the uh where, where it came to graphics and storylines and all like that, when Activision released Pitfall. Uh, some of you listening to this know what I'm talking about. Alex, of course, does not. I do not. But uh, when when Activision replaced or, or was released for the Atari 2600, I mean that that was monumental at that time. And man, you'd you'd spend hours on that thing, uh, you know, trying to set high scores and all like that, and trying to think we kind of where I left off after that. I mean, it went too long after that. Uh, I mean, I, I can't remember video games progressing too much after that. Now, then we got started to get the handheld Mattel, uh, you know, football and, and, and hockey and all like that. So you know, obviously spent some time with those handhelds. And at the time, those were pretty monumental, uh, as well. Then colleague, I think Coleco baseball, uh, but then all of a sudden you grow up and your old man tells you to go get a job and that you know <laughs> uh, your you kids nowadays get to sit home all day and play video games. So yeah, I'm jealous. And yeah, I saw uh, that that uh, that trailer and uh, those things look so damn real nowadays. So thank thanks for getting me started with a rant this morning.
1: That's what I'm here for. Yeah, it looks like a great game. Got to wait till 2025, but it'll be here before we know it. All right, Dave. Let's do you, jump do you
2: play that. any of those? I mean, uh, w- what's your favorite of all these series or whatnot that get released every year or every other year?
1: You know, I've really only played NHL with some buddies lately. I played GTA growing up. San Andreas was kind of my, my go-to there. I uh, played a little bit of five, but not much. But six looks really good, so I'm excited for it to come out. All right, all right. All right, let's jump into some Steelers talk here. Dave, a little bit later in this show, we'll have a Patriots beat writer on. That's Ben Roland. He's the senior NFL writer for the Boston Globe, one of the top beat writers in the nation. So we'll talk with him, get his perspective on New England and their turbulent season. But to take it to Pittsburgh here, Dave, you start with the injury situation, a little hard to get a read on things right now. No practice on Monday, a walkthrough on Tuesday. And so injury reports and participation levels are Difficult to gauge, not practicing though on Tuesday's report. Per the team, was running back Najee Harris with the knee. Of course, Kenny Pickett with the ankle officially had that tightrope surgery on a Monday. He is out this week. James Pierre with the shoulder did not practice. Several limited players, including Alandon Roberts with the groin, him being in some level of participation, is giving you some hope to play on Thursday. Mason Cole, Isaac Sayamalu, Keanu Benton, Cam Hayward, all limited. If Montrevious Adams, Mika Fitzpatrick were full, they will play against New England. So really the name comes down to A, you want to check Harris on that knee just to make sure it's precautionary, which I assume that it is, but today will be important. And then of course, it's Landon Roberts, Isaac Say Malu. Will they go? Will they not go? Those names will watch for for the final Wednesday injury report.
2: Yeah, I don't have a clue how this is going to shake out on a short week. And being as how they did not have a practice on, on Monday and their Tuesday one uh, was a walkthrough. I mean, I, I still stand by my assertion that, man, I'd be surprised if a Roberts plays in this game, you know. Uh, but, I mean, the, the fact that he's listed as limited through a walkthrough, read into that what you will. Uh, I don't know how concerned I, Najee, has Najee missed a game due to injury yet? I don't
1: think, not yeah. a full game. He's left in the middle of the game. Right. He's never actually missed the start of his game in his career.
2: I mean, so I would not bet against him. Uh, we talked about James Pierre playing through this shoulder for 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 quite a while. So I expect him to to give this a go again. Uh, I, I think we're back to kind of where we started the uh, the, the, the week, wondering about Landon Roberts and Isaac Samala, right?
1: Right. Um, we'll see. Today's practice on Wednesday for the team is that they're one in kind of true practice session. So that'll give you a better gauge on how much these guys are working. And of course, they'll have game statuses. There may be some questionable guys in Pittsburgh can make their elevations up until 4 p.m. tomorrow. So anyone who comes up as replacements, you may not really get a feel for someone's status until around that time. Talking about Robertson and, and Say Malu, Of course, Say Malu can't go. Nate Herberg should fill in at left guard.
2: All right, so if they make any elevations at this point we're thinking miles jack and who if I tried to uh thumb through this because i got to get my post together for predictive uh, predicting in inactives uh I could definitely see miles jack getting elevated mm-hmm. uh but i'm, I'm I, I i scan through and tried to play the game of who would be inactive if another elevation was done. I, I think it would only be one elevation, right? Who Who else could they possibly
1: elevate? I mean, Kyron Johnson came up last week for special team purposes. That could be a possibility because you know Miles Jack's not going to play anything on, on team, so that may be an option. Other than that, you're probably right. Don't see a lineman that could come up. Um, so it may be Jack and then watching Johnson again.
2: Yeah, all they would do if Isaac Sayamalo can't play, then Dylan Cook would get a helmet. Right. right. So that that's that, that's your swap there. Uh, you expecting McFarlane to be inactive again?
1: I hadn't thought about it a ton. I mean, I, I expect Blake Martinez to dress against the Patriots that may could occupy some special teams value. I don't know how they're going to do, how are they going to handle inside linebacker? If Roberts doesn't play, is it going to be Walker and Martinez? Is it going to be Jack and Martinez? I really don't know how that rotation might look.
2: I can tell you who's not going to see a lot of time. (laughs) time If, if, if they can help it.
1: One Mark Mark Robinson, Mark
2: Robinson. Yeah. Uh, based on and what we'll get into here in a little bit, what, what, what the coordinators had to say, uh, yesterday there, but, uh, yeah, that's that's a good question. I and and boy you 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 I you, I know you got further into the defensive tape from that game uh the other day against the Cardinals and I uh, boy uh uh Walker did not have a great game at all.
1: No, struggling to tackle, struggling to cover. Um yeah, just just a pretty poor game overall for him.
2: All right. Uh we'll see how the, what the injury report says today. So pay attention to steedersdepot.com, please. And, uh, once the, uh, elevation deadline has passed on Thursday, I'll put up my predicted in- inactives, but they should, they should be pretty straightforward. I mean, Kenny Pickett, you know, is going to be on there. Uh, we'll see, uh, about a Landon Roberts. We'll see one of the linemen say Amalo or, or Dylan Cole or Dylan, uh, Cook going to be inactive there. Uh, probably Anthony McFarlane, uh, probably people ain't going to like it, but Darius Rush is probably going to end up on there again.
1: Yeah. Looking that way.
2: If James Pierre goes, then, then, then Rush is going to, uh, end up on there. So it's the inactive list is probably either going to be five or six long this week.
1: For the Patriots, there are two key injuries, and we'll talk more about this with Ben in a little bit. But Ramondre Stevenson, their running back, not officially ruled out, did not practice Tuesday. I would not expect him to play. He got on that hip drop tackle. Uh, Seems like he avoided a serious, you know, season-ending type injury, but I don't expect him to play. And their leading receiver, DeMario Douglas, has a concussion. Don't believe he's cleared protocol, so he might late in this process, but one name to watch out for as well.
2: Oh, yeah. And you know who else is likely to show up on the Steelers inactive list this week is one DeMarvin Leal.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, as Montrevis Adams-Tomlin uh, confirmed is basically going to play. So Leal, five snaps against the Cardinals, three of which were kneel downs. That says all that has to be said.
2: And really, the, all, that, the fact that all five, is as, as you put in your charting there, all five of his five snaps came on the final five plays. That's not great, Bob. And nobody that I that I saw in in the transcript from uh, yesterday asked Terrell Austin, "What's you know, uh, what's 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 the deal with him?"
1: Well, speaking of which, let's go to the coordinators right now, to Austin and Faulkner. Let's start with Terrell Austin talking about the inside linebacker position and asked about Mark Robinson and uh, Nick Herbig as well. Robinson says, uh, according to Austin, uh, on Robinson, I should say, that he's not yet ready to be that three-down kind of guy, which I think we knew. We were pretty fairly confident (laughs) that was not trusting Mark Robinson to be a three-down guy, considering that even Michael Walker was getting the green dot over Robinson, after Alandon Roberts went down, the guy that's been here for six weeks, a month or so is getting the green dot over a guy like Robinson, who's in his second full year with the team. So um, he's really just there. Robinson is for special teams and when they have to play him.
2: Yeah, he he, uh, he said he did like 44 snaps or something like that. and ended it at that. So, uh, I mean, you roll on back to back, back you know, head of the season, him being asked about Mark and then stating that maybe 2024 for him, they're doing their best not to have to play him, but obviously injuries have dictated that they have had, you know, uh, have had to put him on the field. So, uh, not, not a lot of positive when it comes to what, 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 what this
1: team thinks about Mark Robinson. What do you think the issue is? is it's got to be above the neck type of thing. Or they yeah, just don't Trust him.
2: I, I think so. I think he's just, I, I think he's struggling. I think he's thinking too much, and I think that started to sh- that showed a little bit in that Cardinals game as well, too. You know, uh, I think just his his lack of experience mm-hmm. at the position, dating back to college, and and just understanding the complexities of, of 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 the defense and all like that. I he's it's probably got his head swimming.
1: Yeah, I think so as well. Now, the question was posed a couple weeks ago once Cole Holcomb went down. Could you move Nick Herbig inside the rookie edge rusher from Wisconsin? And at the time, Austin said, no, no, no. Herbig's an outside guy. We're not going to blow through three linebackers. And here we are a couple weeks later, and they're basically in that position. So he was asked again, would Herbig be a candidate to move inside Austin? A little softer in the language, but said, "Um, let me find the exact comment here. Uh, I'm not saying Nick Herbig can't, but I'm not sure that's the best thing for Nick Herbig and for us. Nick will get some quality reps outside as we get down the stretch and help us there. I think he'll be more helpful for us as a a rusher right now than an inside backer. So basically discounting it, but saying even later saying that Herbig has a skill set to play inside, but they want to keep him on the edge. Are are you good with that, Dave? Would you have any sort of entertaining the thought of moving Herbig midseason?
2: Uh, Not mid season. No. I mean, obviously we both came out of the draft thinking, well, might, you know, this guy be moved inside and all. And, you know, with, with, with good reason overall, but I, you know, I think for what he's been asked to do specifically so far, which obviously he's not getting a lot of snaps right now, but in the few snaps that he is on the field, he's, he's, he's in some plays, man. And, uh, no, no, the short answer is not right now. I mean, is this something they might consider after the season? I mean, the way look, if he gets stronger out there on on the edge and just bu- and 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 bulks up his frame, I mean, obviously he's not going to put himself in a rack and stretch his arms. At least I don't think he's going to. Uh, but you know, a- everything other than measurables when it comes to him, he's answering the bell on. So, uh, could if they looked at this though, I mean, it would be a process that you would want to start right. You're right out of shooting OTAs. And I would imagine we would hear reports on, on, on Nick Herbert, getting some time inside and trying to learn the defense. And, you know, from, from that perspective and all, uh, I know, I don't think it's going to happen this year, nor do I think it should this year. And I'm, and at, at this point, I'm not convinced that, that it will happen period, but, We'll see.
1: Yeah, I understand midseason how difficult that will be. And they're looking for veteran guys at the off-ball position right now. They need some guys with experience. that can call this defense. They can kind of, all the communication can run through. So I understand the fan perspective. This guy's talented. He's playing well, not getting much of an opportunity on the outside behind Watton Highsmith. You know, reps that are going to always be limited. Let's try to do something else with him to get him on the field. But I get Austin's perspective as well Um, and and listen I I thought he was going to be an inside guy only coming out of college I was wrong about that he's proved me wrong he's played very well out on the edge but if there's a chance to get him more playing time in the future for next season inside because he's always going to be a very rotational guy on the outside when you're playing behind Watt and Highsmith and those guys are not going anywhere anytime soon so I think you have to consider that possibility more strongly in the offseason maybe not even Eliminating the edge possibility. He could maybe do both. I think he's a hard worker. He's smart. He'll have a full offseason to maybe digest off ball and still play some uh, edge snaps in situational football. So I think it's something that has to be explored this offseason.
2: I hate to throw a pass way down the field here in a meaningless situation, but uh uh you know, Marcus Golden's gonna be a free agent after this year. I mean, is it guaranteed that he's coming back? And if he's not, who's your number three outside linebacker?
1: It's a fair question. It'd be Herbig in that scenario. I wouldn't call it guaranteed that Golden's back, but I think if he wants to return, Pittsburgh will welcome him back. Veteran guy, quality reps, good leader, good teammate per T.J. Watts, So if Golden wants to return for one more season, I think that's going to happen.
2: I think you get uh, uh, Nick in the weight room and get him on that, uh, 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 you know, try to get him stronger and all like that. and. You know, I I have a feeling they're going to live them live them out on the edge at this point now. And you know, I, I'm with you. I thought, you know, especially when they when they sent, uh, oh, who's Ian's Curry uh, mm-hmm. to to his pro day. And you know, remember there was that interview uh, with, with 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 Nick Herbig, I think at his pro day, right, where he said, yeah, all, all I'm hearing is I'm going to play in the inside. You know, I'm going to have to move to the inside at the next level, but. You know, in his defense, once again, he it's not like he's played a ton of snaps out on the edge, but when he has, he's answered the bell.
1: He has. He's been really productive. He had nine defensive snaps, excluding the kneel downs against Arizona, and had a tackle for a loss. So just able to make an impact on a per-snap basis at a really high level. Uh, Austin seems to be implying that Herbig's going to get some more rotational edge snaps later in the season. As you know you try to keep guys fresh and as the, the season kind of grinds on, so we'll see. we'll monitor it. obviously push comes to shove. Watt and Highsmith are going to play, but we'll see if uh, Austin's comments ring true at all.
2: Yeah, you know once again uh, and, I, and I hate I hate to keep banging on this. I would have I would have wished that Tara Austin would have been asked about Leal. He was asked about about everybody else but Leal <laughs> uh, uh, yesterday and, and that's concerning at this point with him you know, uh, the snaps, uh, that he's getting. And, you know, we kind of even wondered going back to last off season, what is he, you know, uh, maybe they need to consider moving him out to the edge and get some of that weight off of, him. you know,
1: yeah, it wouldn't be the worst idea if there's really no home for him on the interior. I, I think the issue with Lial is just a lack of a pass rush. And and that's, we've talked about it before. It's kind of confounding because he's a really good athlete. And my concern with him coming out of A&M was run defense. And now I think it's actually decent against the run. He's played in some base packages. He can get off of blocks. He could work his hands well to get off blocks in the run game. But for some reason, it's not translating as a pass rusher. And it's really freezing him out of any sub package opportunity. So I mean he's third third round pick from last year. Kind right. Of people forget about that. He was a like right. high draft pick and, and it's looking pretty dim right now.
2: All right, true or false. This team will draft uh one of those six, four, six, five, 298, hundred and two hundred and ninety-eight, three hundred and three pound uh defensive linemen within the first uh boy, we going, we're throwing some long bombs today. <laughs> uh uh within the first four rounds of the uh two thousand and twenty four NFL draft.
1: Let me try to jump in the air and catch this Hail Mary that you're tossing. I mean, it's hard to find those guys, first of all. Right now, I would probably say no, other things to worry about, but you know, I'll say yes.
2: Because okay. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about what they think about Leal right now. And you got Cam Hayward getting another year longer in the two. What's going to happen with Montrevious Adams after this year? What's going to happen with uh, Isaiah Loudermilk? What's going to happen with uh, Armand Watts? I mean, you you start looking at uh, once again. We should be preparing for the Patriots game here. We're we're maybe we're taking this too lightly, Alex. But <laughs> <laughs> Cam Hayward's not
1: going to be happy with us. Uh,
2: but that's where my mind kind of raced when 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 thinking about all this. But we'll we'll leave that talk for another day. It's just something that I've been thinking about. I, I think uh, from where I sit right now, I think they will draft another defensive lineman. Within the first four four rounds, but we'll, we'll we'll see how this shakes out.
1: Well, let me ask you about that just to divert quickly because that's been kind of the topic of discussion. Deontay Johnson, I thought, in much stronger terms than what Jalen Warren said post game on Sunday, believing that you know that that once they took the field, the Steelers said they took Arizona too lightly, overlooked them, and and played down to them. Essentially, is what Johnson's comments were. Cam Hayward pushed back on some of that. I think on his uh, his show, talking about that. Uh, you know, everyone has their opinion, but he didn't get that sense overall what is your interpretation of all these comments?
2: Well, we, we asked that at times that players be, uh, more forthcoming with the responses until they say something that we don't like. <laughs> right. right. Sure. Uh, and then when they give cliches, we pawn it off. Well, that's just a cliche. I wish they'd be more, more, more forthcoming. Uh, is it possible that in the heads of some players, they were reading their own press clippings coming out of the Cincinnati game, and and thinking this is a two and ten Cardinals team, and all we have to do is show up? Uh, I think that's possible. Yes, uh, the full I what, you know, the full context of what Deontay said about what we, you know, when we got out there, something felt different, you know? Uh, I, I do think it's possible that there were some players on Sunday that, that maybe in that f- first half of that game, probably were thinking all they had to do was show up. Uh Because look, I mean, the, you went over the details, man. Uh, mm-hmm. uh Just, just little stuff like, you know, covering covering the tackle, having having the proper amount of guys on the field and all like that. Uh, I I don't think a lot, quite a few of them were as dialed in as they probably should have been. Does That's that fair. does that answer your question properly, sure. or am I skirting it too too much? No. I mean, I, I I think to some degree that there probably were a few players that probably didn't put in the necessary. Pre-game preparation that they should have.
1: I think that's valid. And that's essentially my conclusion. I think trying to make a blanket statement that applies to the whole team of, oh, they overlooked them or no, we did not overlook them doesn't work. It's an individual type thing. I promise you, Cam Hayward did not overlook the Arizona Cardinals. As he said, I promise you, Mika Fitzpatrick did not. TJ Watt did not. Uh, Kenny Pickett did not. But did some other players did? Possibly. You're talking about a big roster here. I mean, some players may have in terms of their preparation. I I will say, I mean, the first quarter wasn't bad. They didn't come out like flat from the beginning. It was kind of, again, that turning point of that failed fourth and goal, that 99-yard drive at the end of the first half that really turned the tide. So if they came out super, super flat from from opening kickoff, then there might be some more validity to a a team-wide kind of overlooking and just going through the motions and assuming a victory. I didn't get that sense overall. But again, to try to sit there and say for the entire team, they did this or they did not do that. I think that's too painting with too broad of a brush.
2: Yeah, look, as we said, I mean, even, you know, you, the point of the game where they get get down there, you know, fourth and goal uh, at the one and OK, they didn't get it. Uh, even at that point, I'm thinking, all right, well, they're moving the football and all like that. and. You've got some explosive plays or running the football. The defense has been pretty good. And even after they gave up the 99 yard touchdown, obviously it's not, 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 not something that you want to see. Uh, I wasn't at, I wasn't hitting the panic button in, in my head at that point. I, I thought, man, it, the defense is going to have to tighten up and, uh, you know, obviously keep them below, uh, 17 points or whatnot. So yeah, I I, I'm with you to, to me, other than there being some of those penalties that there were, and maybe that was the telltale sign with, with, Mm -hmm. with, with, within all that, uh, it wasn't until they, you know, they came out of a couple of, you know, came out of each one of those breaks where it just seemed like it got worse there. But, uh, and look, I mean, were they kind of baited into some of these answers? Some, some, I mean, Deontay's a, uh, a more experienced player. He, he, you know he should know how to handle those questions. Now is it a guy like Jalen Warren just giving right. you know uh, an answer that that he thinks that they want to hear and not worrying about repercussion? I don't know, but uh, I, it, I at the end of the day, do I think it's possible that some of some of those players uh, maybe weren't as prepared as they should have been because of the opponent that they were facing? I think it's possible.
1: Yes. And I think anytime you lose a game like this, you as a player try to sit there and search and say, how did that happen? Maybe maybe you try to tell yourself, maybe we did overlook them, even if you didn't have that feeling coming right. in. But but regardless of who overlooked them or who didn't overlook them, anyone who did learn their lesson and you're facing another 2-10 team coming in to Pittsburgh tomorrow for Thursday night, you better not overlook them and, and you, you can hopefully assume that no one will overlook the Patriots considering what just happened against the Cardinals.
2: And, and, you know, people are listening to this and say, well, why didn't Tomlin make sure that they weren't dialed in? You know, I mean, it, it, c- can it go back to coaching? Yes. You know, uh, 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 for, for, for sure. But, uh, you can bet Mike Tomlin's drilled it into him that two and t- two and 10 teams can beat you this, this past week.
1: And to move to Eddie Faulkner, the OC, interim OC, he spoke to reporters, he said players were held accountable for their mistakes. Um, And so well, they what that run looks laps. like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. Maybe a fine. I, I I don't know how all that he didn't expand upon that. Um, And I understand some of those procedural things are player based. They have to execute. They have to line up in the right spot. But to me, Dave, those things reflect coaching and they have to get cleaned up pretty quickly. And if they don't get cleaned up, then personnel has to change. And if those things don't change, they really become. A reflection of coaching. Uh, you are judged by what you allow, and what Pittsburgh got a, tried to uh, get away with, but what what they did or what they failed to do, detail wise, in this game, unacceptable, and it cannot happen again.
2: Yeah, uh, and short week, you know, tough tough turnaround time as well too to make sure you cover all that. But it it, it sounds like they did they did cover uh, the things that shouldn't have happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, and obviously you're right. Practice reps tough to come by, but you shouldn't have to need practice reps to get 11 guys in the huddle or, you know, line up formationally correct. I still don't know what went went wrong on those two illegal formation. I don't know who was in the wrong there. Did you get any better sense from 22?
2: No, I didn't.
1: But either way, somebody was in the wrong there, uh, and and it has to get cleaned up, and and that's how you lose the teams like the 2-10 and Arizona Cardinals. Anything else from Faulkner that he said that caught your attention? Uh,
2: let's see here. No, not, not, not at, at a, not at a glance here.
1: Okay. All right. Anything else? from Any players. Oh, uh,
2: Mate, what'd you think about his uh, comments about Mason Cole about tr- trouble with the snap shotgun snaps?
1: Yeah. Saying we're not going to make too big of a deal out of it. Although we're going to work on it. I don't know. I mean, you have to make a big deal out of this stuff because it is this basic, this these basic things. So I, I mean, there's not much more to say other than you have to snap the ball properly. Cole's a veteran. He knows that's his job to do. You hope that he can do it consistently against the the Patriots. Um, so I, I get where Faulkner's coming from, but to have the quote of it, we're not going to make too big of a deal out of it. It's not going to sit too right with fans.
2: Yeah. I would spend about a 10 minute session making sure he could snap the football properly.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not, too interested in trying to win the the presser but the phrasing of that i think maybe might might speak to a interim oc who hasn't really handled the media too often before i think saying something like mason has to snap the ball well it's a priority we got to get it right just something obvious but more i think assertive and more right. we're not going to sweep this under the rug kind of thing just is probably a better way to frame that that problem i agree Anything from any other players? Mitch Trubisky speaking to the media said he's still going to be aggressive. He likes being aggressive. He wants to take some chances. Knows he has to protect the football as well. The question with Trubisky's always been that balance between, yes, the guy's got an arm. Yes, he can make plays downfield. But he also, he's a, he's a Bruce Arians type of quarterback, Dave. He's a no-risk-it, no-biscuit type of dude. And that can put this team into some trouble.
2: Yeah. And he goes on to say, there's all, you know, he was asked, is it at all a fine line between protecting the football and being aggressive? Uh, he says there always is a fine line. I think you can uh, ask any quarterback that you want to be aggressive, but if you're uh, too, too safe with the football, you're not going to move it. So, you know, you got to know what you can do and always got to take care of the football at the end of the day. But sometimes you just got to believe in yourself that you can make the throws to move the ball down the field and score points. So there is a fine line always. So, uh, look, I mean, this, this, I I will say this, you know, there's, there's been times where we've needed this offense to be more aggressive. And, uh, he certainly has been in the limited time that he's, he's been with this team, you know, dating back to last season. Uh, some of them were just very, uh, ill-advised throws that he's had picked off. You know, you go back to that one earlier in the year in, 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 in the middle of the field that got picked off. Uh, who was that up against uh, Jacksonville Jacksonville? Uh, just yeah, that, there's a fine line. It'll be interesting to watch him walk it this week.
1: And the issue is sometimes you don't know where that line is until you crossed it. And sometimes that means something disastrous happened. Think about the Ravens game last year, throws three picks. After the game says, "Yeah, it was probably a bit over aggressive." After the Jaguars game says, "Yeah, it's probably a bit over aggressive." I understand the mentality of you can't go into a shell, and this team has to produce, and you want to put up some points. Trubisky is a guy that just he's going to throw a pick every now and then. He's going to make some plays, but he's going to throw some picks as well. And for some other teams and other offenses that are built in different ways, you can get away with that. With Pittsburgh and the way that they're built, it's tough to do. They don't they don't win when they turn the football over. Um, it, it's pretty cut and dry. So it's a concern of mine.
2: Yeah, look, especially when you're not scoring points, right now. Look, the 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 thing that we're looking for this week, or we would expect that this team's going to try come try to come out and run the football. But we're the not the only ones that thinking that. Uh, and the Patriots do have a good run defense, and you can bet Bill Belichick's letting that defense know you cannot let this team run the football. So how are you going to build off of that running game? You uh, you 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 better have some play action mixed in there. You better have some under center play action, uh, mixed in there to try to suck those linebackers up. You better be willing to attack the middle of the field in, in some of those situations. If you, if you get the looks that you, uh, like, and, uh, because I look, you no, know, I'm going to be surprised if they have a field day on this new England defense running the football, if they do, that's going to make the game go a lot easier for them. I, 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 I think, but, uh, uh, well, you know, obviously we've been talking to about the red zone area and specifically these last two games, they have not been great inside a red. zone. So- actually the last three, uh, you know, overall, really on the season, not not where you want it to be uh, overall. So either they're going to have to have some shot plays that get into the end zone via touchdowns, or they're going to have to in, uh, improve the red zone uh, percentage in this. And I'm not envisioning this team being inside the red zone more than maybe uh, two or three times in this game against New England.
1: Yeah, what do you – What is your approach for this game? And we'll talk about the Patriots a bit more in depth here in a couple of moments. But what is your approach for the Steelers game plan? If you're trying to devise this game plan, knowing the Pats have a really strong run defense, they don't score offensively. If you're Pitts, if you're Eddie Faulkner, you're Mike Sullivan, what is your plan of attack? Uh, get my
2: tight ends involved in the passing game. First and foremost, uh, get some of these, uh, these zone looks that they'll give you here. Uh, that's first and foremost, don't be afraid to use the backs out of the backfield because Lord knows the Patriots are going to use their backs out of their backfield. I'm sure you picked on up, up on that, on the, on, on the tape, uh, from them, uh, yeah pick, pick your shots on the explosive plays. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have some instances where you get some one-on-one coverage on the outside. You're going to have to attack outside the numbers that way, but more specifically, I think, and and I I think the tape bears this out at times. uh, There's going to be some instances more than uh, nine yards down the field where you can attack the middle of the field. Be it. I I think this could be another game where you see a lot of Pat Firemuth utilized, uh, I I do think that you come out and see what you can get with the run first and foremost. But man, if you get into some situations with some, and I, I know this kind of goes reverse what we said the other day. Uh, second and and three or second and two situations, you might want to draw dial up a, a, a shot play or two off some play action to see if you can catch them with their pants down.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's how you may want to manufacture that big play downfield. Uh, Pittsburgh was pretty play-action heavy last week against Arizona. It worked early on that 38-yarder, and then I thought Arizona adjusted really well to play action and really weren't fooled by it the rest of the, the, the first half there. So we'll see how disciplined. You'd expect the Belichick unit to be disciplined, but you still can catch these guys from time to time.
2: And look, in the run game, I think that uh, somebody that can hit the crease quickly might be, might have some benefit here. So Jalen Warren, I, you know, that, that might be the guy that you try to lean on this because they, they seem to do well against the kind of the bigger, you know, plotting backs, if you will. Uh and you know, it's not a knock on Najee Harris. He obviously has some explosive plays this year. But man, they do such a good job up front with their big guys of getting off blocks and their linebackers do a real good job of of, of, of getting off blocks and filling filling gaps and, and running to the football and all like that. So I uh I would just I'll say this. I'll make sure there are plenty run plays in there uh, with, with, with Jalen Warren in the backfield, because I, I think that gives you the biggest potential maybe to hit uh, a couple of explosive plays in this one.
1: I like that. I'm with you. I think Warren can be an asset to, to quickly hit the hole and, and, and maybe make some hay against what is a, a really tough run defense for all the wards the Patriots have. And they have many. Their run defense has been as good as any in football this year.
2: Yeah, those guys, those guys really do a good job up front of of and even out. You know, not that Steelers run a lot outside zone, but they do a good job really in all areas. You don't see those guys on the ground a lot. At least I didn't in the two games that I watched against the Giants and 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 the Chargers this past week. And their their linebackers seem to really be in tune and be able to run to the football. Their safety screen downhill uh, and and do what they're supposed to do against a run. So it's gonna be gonna be tough sledding, I think, on the ground.
1: Just quickly to switch gears, we're going to talk to Ben Berlin here in just a, a, a moment, but defensively for Pittsburgh, two articles up on the site, uh, Steelers Depot this morning, one on Joey Porter Jr., his penalties. What is it? The second most penalized de- is a defensive back in football right now? Just
2: the second most defensive player overall, overall? The sec- tied for the second most in, in called penalties uh, overall of all defensive players.
1: Wow. How do you? Not that we're maybe shocked by that, considering the book on Porter coming out. Although he cleaned it up his last year at Penn State, but there was that grabbiness concern. How do you, how do you think Pittsburgh's going to balance, obviously, utilizing his skill set of his length, his physicality in, in in press coverage versus the penalties? I mean, do you just kind of accept that as it's always going to be that way?
2: I just, ha- yeah, you know, I think you just try to have him work on it and you know, on try to, you know, be less less obvious with some of these, you know, uh, w- w- when you get, cause they all tug and they all pull, right. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and as a young player coming into the league, you're probably not going to get the calls that, 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 that a veteran, I, you know, there, there's a fine line there, right. How, how, you know, how do you, because obviously he's got the length and all like that. And, uh, he's an aggressive type player on top of it there. I, I think it's just something that you try to talk to him about, try to work through, right. You know, uh, and look, I mean, even some of the catches that he's given up, he's been in good position. They've just been good catches by the other team and all like that. So I, I don't know exactly how you, 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 you work through that. Uh, but you know, you, on, on the flip side, you know, he's got what 10 called penalties on him already. And four of them have been declined. I mean, you still got what five games left here. I mean, you, you. Especially down in your own in there that puts the ball at the one, you right. know the, the, those obviously hurt big time. Especially if they come on a third down or something uh, like that. So I, I think you just try to talk to them and try to tell them, hey, you got you gotta watch the tugging and then the pulling and then the holding. Now a few a uh, few of the other ones were face mask and all like that. You know I think yeah one, uh, two of them and th- those are going to happen. It's just they they get magnified when you have the other six, seven, eight to go along with it, you know?
1: Yeah, I would say the first thing is, first of all, clean up all the non-holding PI stuff. The face mask, he's also, uh, what, lined up off sides at least twice this season where he stepped across the line of scrimmage in that press coverage and just was over aggressive, didn't realize where he was aligning, so just cleaning that stuff up, that can't happen, eliminate those, and they're cutting out half the penalties there. Everything else, you're going to get called a couple times. I, I think you learn from Patrick Peterson the tricks of the trade about how to kind of get away with some of that stuff, how to be more subtle about it. But I also just think, a, it's his style, and B, like the refs see when, when the refs see Joey Porter Jr. on the field is like six two corner with thirty four inch arms, two inches from the receiver. They know he's a press corner, and eyes are going to be on him more than probably a Patrick Peterson or a Levi Wallace. Like they just know that Porter is going to be a physical type of dude. They're going to probably watch for that and more likely to call that kind of stuff than there might be other corners. So. Some of that's just going to be part of the baking of the cake of Joey Porter Jr. And hopefully he continues to make it more positive plays than those negative ones that kind of allow you to live with the penalties because they're, they're, they're going to happen for a guy like him. You just you don't want 20 of them, but you're going to get a couple calls each year. You live with that.
2: Yeah. Looking at this real, real quick, you make a good point there. Let's see. Uh, face mask, face mask, defensive holding, defensive offsides, illegal use of the hands. Uh, PI defensive holding, defensive offside, defensive PI, defensive PI. So, uh, the ones that are you know, if you eliminate the two face mask, uh, the defensive offsides, the two defensive offsides, I mean, that's four fewer right there. Right. So, he's down to six. Would we be writing the article or talking about this if Joey Porter had six versus ten? on him right now and they were all defensive holding uh defensive pass interference.
1: Yeah, he wouldn't be the second most penalized defensive player in football, I'm pretty sure. So, it, it's a good start at least.
2: Right. So, try to clean up the the stuff outside of the PIs and the holding would be a good start. Exactly. As you, as yeah. You
1: yeah. And then just really quickly uh on Keonu Benton I read about him this morning, um emerging player no stack will start, should continue to be the, the team starting no stack even when Adams comes back, but his sub-package snaps have just fallen off a cliff. He had one sub-package snap against the Cardinals. One, Loudermook had more, Watts had more. I know with Hayward being back, of course, that's going to really reduce the snap for some of these guys but Benton cannot be just a base nose tackle. He's got to be able to work in sub package because he's can, he's a really good pass rusher.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's got some really nice pass rush moves, and it's only going to get better, you would think, as well, too. So I it'd be interesting to see what happens in this Patriot. Look, on, on a short week, too, you want to keep some – I understand you want to keep some bodies rotated in there, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh So will we see five or six sub package snaps in this game? We should.
1: I hope so. But I mean, each week, week by week, since week nine, I, I did the, the study on my charting. His sub packet snaps have reduced, you know, by percentage and by actual snaps. So I don't know where that trend is going. I mean, again, I, I know that it's going to be Haywood, Okunjobi. Most of the time, those guys are veterans. Those guys are getting paid handsomely. So I get that. But there's got to be more than one snap available for Keanu Benton. He played, what, 24 snaps, I think, total against the Cardinals. That's not not enough for him.
2: All right, Especially when you're not getting a guy like Leal on the field or anything like that. I agree. So it'll be interesting to chart that this week. Hopefully you only have about, you know, 50 snaps or so to have to look at.
1: That'd be nice. But besides the Bengals game, it's not been the case this year. All right, Dave, we'll take a, a break here in just a moment. Bring in Ben Bolin. He's the senior NFL writer for the Boston Globe. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Bolin. That's B-E-N-V-O-L-I-N. Take a pause and come back with Ben.
2: Okay, welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. It is Wednesday, and with the Pittsburgh Steelers having a Thursday night game in uh, this week uh, against the New England Patriots, we are moving up our scheduled appearance of our weekly beat writer, and with the Steelers hosting the Patriots, that means Ben Volan is back with us. Ben is the senior NFL writer at the Boston Globe. Uh, He's been covering the NFL since 2007. You've heard him on this show a couple of times, several times now uh, over the years. Uh, You can read his work online at bostonglobe.com. You can follow him on Twitter slash X at Ben Volin, V-O-L-I-N. You probably already are, but make sure you fix that if you are not. So with that on this Wednesday, Ben, welcome back to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. How are you?
0: What's up, guys? Uh, Always appreciate you having me on uh, so many times over the years. And, man, this this game on Thursday – not not the same Patriots-Steelers <laughs> matchup we're used to talking about over the years. It's a little different this time.
2: Yeah, so you're telling me you're hammering the under, right? Uh, look, uh, the, these two teams uh, having having problems scoring. Uh, let's start off with this, You know, just kind of from a 30,000-foot look. It seems like we talk to you every year. The Steelers and the Patriots seem to play each other every year, even though they're not in the same division. But uh, obviously a lot has changed. And uh, let's start with the Patriots and where they are right now. How expected uh, is it the season that they are having uh, flipping back and forth now between, you know, at, at the quarterback position? A lot of talk about Bill Belichick's uh, job security, although I'm not buying that right now. Just kind of what are your thoughts on this team uh, as a you know, two and ten team heading into this game on the road against the Steelers?
0: So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that anyone expected them to be 2 and 10. It's a shocking uh turn of events for a Bill Belichick football team. I don't think anyone expected any team coached by Belichick to be this poor, you know, completely um, you know, I, I I'd say the worst roster in the NFL, just devoid of talent uh, on both sides of the ball. And the few the few players they do have, it seems like they're all on injured reserve right now. So it's just been a dreadful nightmare season for the Patriots and no one, no one expected it to be this bad. You know, that said, all of the analysis in the preseason was that, yeah, they still have one of the worst rosters. Where are the playmakers on offense? Uh, I think people assume the defense would be fine and it has been, but um, this is the first year in a long time where the Patriots, they haven't scored a defensive touchdown yet this year. So it's not like it's been a, a really dynamic defense and I think people expected Bill O'Brien to come in and be able to fix Mac Jones, and it's been the opposite. It's been worse than last year when the offense was run by Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. It's it's just been dreadful. And Mac Jones, you know, has been uh, a, a head case. They finally had to mercifully bench him for good last week for Bailey Zappi. He got pulled from – Mac Jones got pulled from four different games this year uh, during blowouts. Uh, you know, he's thrown 12 picks. It, season start off on a really ominous note. First quarter of week one against the Eagles, the first or second possession, he threw a pick six to, to start the year. And it's just one after another. And um, the organization hasn't helped him. His confidence is shot. Yeah. You know, I think he was maybe overrated by the fans and media. Anyway, it, it's just been a, a nightmare season for Mac Jones, for the Patriots. And uh, it was expected to not be good. But I, I still thought they'd win eight, seven, eight, nine games somewhere in there and be competitive for the playoffs. And I think a lot of people did. And now they're competing for the number one pick. So it's just no one ever thought it would get this bad for Bill Belichick. And um, it's all on him. He's the general manager. He he picks all the players. He and his staff have, you know, absolutely destroyed whatever confidence Mac Jones uh, had. So it, it's just been uh, a really, really tough year here in New England.
2: Do you think he's on the hot seat? Do you think he should be on the hot seat? Do you think anything ends up happening there with with with, with him?
0: I say yes to all of those. I, I think Robert Kraft made it clear during the owners' meetings in March that he wants to see a playoff team. This is, this is the Patriots. This is not, um, with all due respect, this is not the Carolina Panthers or the Arizona Cardinals. The, there are expectations here. And, uh, you know, it's one thing for the Patriots, you know, if they were st- – six and six right now, or five and seven. Let's say, yeah, there's no way that Belichick's on the hot seat, but two and 10 battling for the number one pick can't, you know, they haven't scored a touchdown or they have one touchdown in their last 14 quarters. So that's three and a half games where they've just scored one touchdown. They're losing, you know, they lost to the giants and Tommy DeVito an undrafted rookie quarterback, you know, got scored six points in Germany, just embarrassing all over the place. Um, and yeah, I definitely think that I know I know that Belichick is worried that this is it. And he's been worried since all offseason that the crafts were kind of closing the walls in on him. I think the big question is do the crafts are they gonna back up their tough tough words? Do they do they wanna make do they wanna rip off the band-aid? I think everyone around New England realizes it's time. It's been an incredible 24-year run, you know, six Super Bowl titles, nine AFC championship titles. But after 24 years, it's time. It, it looks like it's run its course. And, and the crafts have been talking big about how they' they expect you know big improvements this year and um, you know so so we'll see if, if they actually have kind of the gumption to, to make the big moves. But I, I think it's everyone I talked to around the league thinks it's going to happen. I think Bill is already starting to um, try to line up his next gig as well. Uh, so to me, I, I would be shocked if Belichick returns next year. Uh, I, I think it's looking pretty clear that this is it for him
2: and all that you just said, you know, our, our, our listeners, uh, Steeler fans just, man, they just hate to hear all that, you know, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone around the league does, I, I tell you what, with the, you know, loss after loss for the Patriots. And, and I go into the other rooms sometimes the other locker rooms. There is no sympathy for this organization. (laughs) There is none whatsoever. I mean, they were up for so long and – you know, had a penchant for rubbing other teams' noses in it a little bit, so there is no sympathy for the Patriots.
2: Uh, before I turn it over uh, to Alex for a couple of questions here, uh, uh, pr- pr- pretty lengthy injury report this week. Uh, Demario Douglas on, obviously Ramadre Stevenson. Don't think he's going to play. Uh, Boutte, the wide receiver, uh, banged up. I think Devontae Parker got uh, banged up in that game, uh, and all who who and it's obviously it's early. It's a short week. We know how Bill Belichick is with with. With, with injuries uh, who of of uh, importance do you think possibly winds up missing this game?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like the Patriots have many dynamic players and the few that they have are banged up this week. Ramondre Stevenson is not going to play. He's got a high ankle sprain. He's had a tough season as it is just because the offensive line has not uh, uh, not performed too well. And the Patriots keep playing from behind because of all these pick sixes in the first quarter um so stevenson's going to be out and then demario douglas rookie sixth round pick has been a nice little find for them as a slot player and a gadget player I- i'd be shocked if he clears concussion protocol in, in time for thursday so uh, i do think Devonte parker is going to play kayshawn Butte, the rookie from lsu he he has a chance to suit up thursday hasn't done a whole lot this year it's not like he's going to be the difference maker on thursday you know they're going to have to rely on Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker and um, Hunter Henry and, and Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield is is obviously uh, I think going to have to be the workhorse because they don't have much depth behind him there. They've got Ty Montgomery who barely plays and a kid named Jamichael Hasty that they claimed off waivers a few weeks ago. So it's going to be all Ezekiel Elliott. The Patriots hope that he can stay healthy. And then see if Zappy can find any sort of magic with Juju and Hunter Henry, but he's not going to be working with much on Thursday night.
1: Ben, I was going to ask you about Zappy. Was there any element of his game to get excited about the numbers of sheer poor, completing half his passes, limited playing time overall? Was there any reason they turned to him other than just Mac Jones not getting the job done? Is there any sort of optimism that, that Zappy can can do something for this offense?
0: Yeah, I don't think Zappy is in because there's any sense or any thought that he's going to be the guy or the answer. It's just Mac Jones is so broken that, you know, Mac Jones was benched four times, and the first three times he started the next week. And, like, when Mm -hmm. does that ever happen in the NFL? I've never seen a quarterback get benched for performance that many times in a season, and they finally mercifully benched him this past week. I mean, it it was long overdue, and it was more about – you know, I I do think Mac can play, but his confidence is just totally shot right now. And you know, the state of the Patriots quarterback uh, position, Bailey Zappi got shut out the other day, and everyone's saying, "Well, you know, he did enough probably to keep his job." I mean, that's how bad it's been. <laughs> and he did, he didn't throw any picks, and, and that was the key the other day, or may, maybe he had one, but there uh, no, you know, th- there were no turnovers, and that's where it starts. I mean, the Patriots. With Mac Jones throwing, you know, red zone picks and pick sixes early in the season. It's just they're they're constantly playing uphill and from behind. So at least Zappy was safer with the ball. And look, the the conditions were awful on Sunday. Mid-40s, it, it was similar to Pittsburgh. I mean, it was mid-40s, driving rainstorm all day, just miserable conditions for both quarterbacks. It's not like Justin Herbert did anything. The Chargers only scored six points. Mm-hmm. So I give Zappy a little bit of a break for his you know, performance last week and for not putting up numbers. That was not, those are not conditions for, for numbers. And at least in the rain, you know, he didn't turn the ball over or throw picks. So you you do give him credit for that. But I I think the Patriots, they've told us how they feel about Zappi. They released him at the end of training camp, you know, risked him on waivers, brought him back to the practice squad. Any team could have claimed him at any time. And then they just kept going to Mac Jones and kept going to Mac Jones when by all indications he was broken and, and done. So Uh, The Patriots have to start over at at quarterback next year. I I think even with Zappi, I think they they clearly don't like him. So they're going to have to, you know, they'll have a top three pick most likely. So I think they'll be drafting a quarterback and then they need to find someone to be a backup, probably a veteran as opposed Mm -hmm. to having two youngsters as your one, two. So just, you know, it's a mess of a quarterback situation and we still have five games to get through.
1: I know you probably have to really squint answer this question but if you could put on your most optimistic hat is there any bright spot with this offense they do anything like the guards cole strange and city so i was a guy that i like coming out of eastern michigan i mean is there anything positive to talk about even individually with this patriots offense
0: uh you do have to squint um (laughs) the interior line has done better yeah city so and cole strange uh strange was a pretty controversial pick around here they had you know, so many needs on offense, especially a playmaker, and they take a guard with their first-round pick last year. And Sean McVay, there's that a video of Sean McVay and Les Snead, but they see the pick Shocked, and they do right. A, they do a spit take and they start laughing. At it, basically. <laughs> yeah. and, um, but Cole range, I, I never doubted that he'd be a, a solid player, uh, and and he is turning into a decent one. And um, you know, the running back, like Ezekiel Elliott, has been running pretty hard. I've I've been kind of impressed even though his numbers aren't great. Like I said, the offensive line hasn't been too great. Kendrick Bourne was having a nice season. Then he tore his ACL. Um, th- There really is not a lot going on here. And the play calling too, it's just all bubble screens mm. and just quick stuff. Get the ball out of Zappi's hands quickly. Cause they clearly, clearly don't uh, don't trust him. And the other guy was DeMario Douglas, pop Douglas, but he's going to probably miss this game too, with a concussion. And, he needs to learn how to take a hit because I think this is his second one now this year, and he's seems he's a little guy. He's always kind mm-hmm. of getting popped on the field, but yeah, there. I mean, uh, Tyquan Thornton, their second round pick from a year ago, has been a bust. He went 39 yards on an end around the other day. Um, he also had a deep ball go right through his hands, uh, so that didn't make the fans uh, uh, ease up on him. But at least he broke off a run and showed some speed. It's like that's how bad it's been this year. You know, <laughs> one 39 yard run counts as like a big positive for them.
2: When you look at them offensively, specifically in these last two games, and then you look at the personnel usage over the course of the season, man, they'd love to use those tie, have those tight ends on the field, uh, two or three. Uh, I mean, nearly 50% of the plays, I think, at this point. And you look at what they tried to do in these last two games. They're running game up the gut. Didn't look so bad, but they, uh, they 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 obviously try to mix in. I think a little bit of outside zone. You see some tosses in there, as you mentioned. Man, they love the screen right now. Uh, they 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 tend to work. Try try to their passing game kind of outside the numbers less so in the middle of the field. Uh, they they try to small ball you and 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 I guess kind of lull you to sleep with some play action uh, and maybe try to hit you that way. Is that what we're going to see more of uh, Thursday night on this short week? Because even Belichick the other day talking about Pittsburgh said there's not much that that offenses can do on uh, on on a short week when putting in more plays. So what we see uh, on, on the tape in these last two games from the Patriots on offense. Is that what we're going to see with them just trying to execute better?
0: Yeah, you're you're going to see. I mean, this is an offense just trying to run basic plays. This is not the Dolphins. This is not an exotic offense by any stretch. They're just trying to execute basic plays and not commit penalties. And most importantly, not commit turnovers. That That's what the play calling is all about. Just can we run it a couple times up the middle, throw a quick screen, a quick slant, and just not turn the ball over? And maybe our defense can get an interception, give us some good field position, and we can steal some points that way. I mean, this is – it's a JV offense right now in New England, and they're just clinging for dear life and just trying to not turn the ball over because that's that's really been, um, you know, the, their biggest issue this year. So this is – now they're facing a Steelers defense ranked sixth in scoring, and, I mean, TJ Watt it just feels like he's going to feast – and the Steelers' defense, they're, they've are they got to be licking their chops. I mean, the Patriots, they played the Chargers last week. They got shut out by the 32nd-ranked defense. I mean, they made the, mm. the Chargers look like the steel curtain. And I know the, the conditions were tough, but they couldn't even manage a measly field goal. So this is an offense who's just trying to complete a pass, just trying to execute uh, a few plays without turning the ball over. So it's going to be very basic, very vanilla and I'll be shocked if they're able to, you know, the only way they're putting up points on Thursday is if the defense or special teams make some big plays. Uh,
2: uh, TJ Watt, you know, with them using so many tight ends a lot of time, I, w- I would imagine TJ Watt, as is the case every week, is going to get a lot of their attention. Bill Belichick's going to do his best not to let TJ Watt be the game wrecker, right?
0: He's going to do his best, but sometimes, I mean, Khalil Mack just got two sacks the other day. So there's only so much you can do. And the Patriots' offensive tackles have been dreadful. Uh, Trent Brown has been really inconsistent on the left side, dealing with ankle injuries, in and out of the lineup, and it's been a mess on the right side. They they found Mike Onwenu for now, but he he struggled against Khalil Mack the other day. They signed Riley Reef. They gave him five million guaranteed. He's played one game so far. Yeah. He got. He got injured in the last preseason game. One of those, you know, he he was penciled in as a starter. So why is he playing in that last preseason game? Sure enough, he gets hurt. And right tackle has been a mess all year. So, yeah, between T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, yikes. I mean, it's going to be a mess. Uh, Zappy took five sacks the other day. He doesn't always see the field. He holds on to the ball a little bit. Um, T.J. Watt. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots can try to chip him and double team him and and all that stuff, but he's going to be wreaking havoc and he's going to get his on Thursday.
1: I right, ask,
2: ask Ben about that defense.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask because the run defense, I think, has been you know impressive and overshadowed by how bad that offense has been. Number one in yards per carry allowed, number one in uh, big plays allowed in the run game. What has been the key for that run defense in New England with guys like Bentley, who's an old school thumper and Bormer up the middle? What makes the run defense so effective?
0: Yeah, Bentley's done a nice job taking over for Dante Hightower kind of as the leader in the middle of the defense, getting everyone lined up. And he he is a good thumper, physical guy, sideline to sideline. Um, to me, the guy is Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle, third-year player. He was a second-round pick out of Alabama. And, you know, his his stats aren't like they don't pop. He's got 30 tackles and, and four sacks this year, but he's been dominant in the middle of that defense. Um, so Christian Barmore – has definitely been a force yeah you know some of the Patriots success um you know they're 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 in the bottom half of the league as far as attempts allowed so teams aren't running a ton on them per se but they have done a nice job and I mean they held the Chargers to 29 yards on 24 carries the other day so that was very impressive um you know the the Patriots have also played uh, some not so great offenses the last four weeks, commanders, Colts and, and Giants and Chargers in the rain. So th- they've benefited from playing some weaker quarterbacks and, and weaker offenses um, the, you know, actually Sam Howell and the commanders put up 20 points and, and looked pretty good against them. The Dolphins, you know, a few weeks ago had no trouble moving up and down on the on the Patriots. It, it's been an OK defense. They don't have their two best players. Matthew Judon's out for the year with a torn biceps. Christian Gonzalez, great first round cornerback. He's out for the year with a shoulder injury. So, you know, it's a defense that they're creating some turnovers. They're having some success, three straight games under 300 yards. But at the same time, like I said, first year in a long time where they haven't scored a touchdown on defense, not really making the dynamic plays. And you know, it's really getting to the point where the defense literally knows they have to score a touchdown for the Patriots to have a chance to win. It, their defense is probably their best offense right now. <laughs> and that's, a, that's obviously a tough standard to, to maintain. Um, so, but there is an opportunity. You're playing Mitchell Trubisky now on Thursday night football short week. So I do think that the, you know, Belichick can still scheme up some good defense. Uh, so they're going to give this dealer some problems, but you know, for them to win, they're going to have to basically shut out the Steelers and put up some points. And that's that's obviously a tough thing to ask.
1: Sure. My last uh, question is I'll let Dave finish things out. Just a quick two-parter. You mentioned Christian Gonzalez. I was going to ask about him. No, he's out for the season, but Pittsburgh had interest in him. Just talk about what Gonzalez showed for New England in his first four games. And then the kicker, Chad Ryland, seems to be close to maybe being cut. Uh, Patriots have brought in some kickers. Is he in danger if he has a bad game against Pittsburgh? And kind of what's what, uh, gone wrong with Chad Ryland?
0: he is in danger of at least losing his job i don't know about getting cut you use a fourth round pick on a kicker you're probably going to stand by him a little bit just to save face but he's last in the league in field goal percentage uh 12 for 18 67% he's missed a couple under 40 yards this year in, in, including a it was a 35 yarder against the giants that would have sent it to overtime just kind of uh not good you know an embarrassing performance for when when you draft a kid in the fourth round uh, a, a kicker it's he's supposed to be pretty good he's only one for three from 50 yards this year so, so he has uh really struggled he, he's good with the kickoff so ryland has been good there but uh yeah they, they signed a kicker to the practice squad so uh if if he has a bad game against uh the steelers uh i, I imagine they'll, they'll at least bench him for a, a game or two and christian gonzalez was great it's a real shame that he injured his shoulder in the fourth game of the season. That was it, but he, he showed a lot. Uh, even Tyreek Hill, they played the Dolphins in week two, and I think Tyreek Hill came out afterwards and said that that Christian Gonzalez, he's a real one. He's a good player, and he was he's big. You know, six one, great length, very physical. Can run with with you know he was running with Tyreek Hill in that Dolphins game. Um, so, and I believe he was uh, a rookie defensive rookie of the month for um, September. He had a, a sack, he had uh, an interception, three passes defensed. He definitely opened some eyes. So finally, you know, the Patriots have had years of poor drafting. Feels like they finally got it right, picking Gonzalez with the 17th pick. That's a premium position, uh, a lengthy press man corner who can run. Uh, Gonzalez is definitely going to be a good one for the Patriots when he comes back next year.
2: Uh, Another one of their draft picks, a guy that we, we studied a lot of tape on, uh, key uh, keon white what's your been, what's been your impressions of him out of georgia uh tech you know we kind of wondered if he, if he was big enough to do some things on a defense line obviously a good edge rusher overall uh kind of seen more tweenerish i guess type uh what what has been your thoughts on keon white
0: yeah he's been solid i mean he hasn't made a huge impact uh i think just 17 tackles and one sack this year but he's getting a lot more playing time The last few weeks, uh, a lot of his production has come the last few weeks. He plays a lot on special teams. Uh, He's actually, he's got really good size. He's 6'5 and 290. Uh, So he's a guy who can kind of play inside, outside, you know, classic Patriots defensive lineman with really good size and versatility to play all over the line. isn't necessarily, you know, going to beat anyone with his first step. And isn't like a natural pass rusher, but is just very physical on the run game, setting the edge, can play inside, Um, has a little bit of a mean, you know, nasty streak to him. He's had a few uh, kind of on-field incidents this year, which I say that in a good way. I think you kind of want to see that nastiness out of your defensive players. Um, So hasn't made a huge impact on the stat sheet, but I think everyone overall – has been pleased with Keon White, and he's showing that probably starting next year, he'll be a, a key rotational piece and probably a starter on that defense.
2: How did the Steelers move the ball on this defense? They're probably going to come out and try to lean on that running game, but uh, you have to think Bill Belichick tries to take away the the thing that you do best, and right now the Steelers' running game is their best, best uh, part of their offense these last several weeks. Uh, how do the Steelers move the football on this defense?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they're the Patriots know that the Steelers are gonna want to run the ball. And I think the state the Patriots are probably gonna load up the box and and dare Mitchell Trubisky to beat them. Uh you know, Trubisky actually had a really good game against the Patriots when he was with the Bears. I think it was twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um he ran circles around them and uh um the game came there was you know came down to a Hail Mary at the end it was a lot closer than it should have been he threw for 300 yards now I know they they took care of him last year when they played I think it was week 2 and and Trubisky didn't do much but I think they got to target the guys on the outside Pickens and and Deontay Johnson um the Patriots are thin in the secondary JC Jackson Uh, They got him back from the Chargers, but he is just not himself. You know, he tore his meniscus last year and just is not the same player. Um, Maybe he will be one day, but he hasn't been yet. And teams are really picking on him, really going after him. So whether he's on pickings or Johnson or the Patriots are playing some zone, they've got to go right at – the Steelers have to go right at J.C. Jackson. And I I think that's where they can win on the outside and – um, you know, targeting Friermuth as well over the middle a little bit. So, I, I you know, they're going to have to put the game in Trubisky's hands because I think the Patriots have a really good run D and they're going to load up to to stop Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. So uh, it's going to be can, can Trubisky make a few throws, and I think he's got to get those guys on the outside involved.
2: All right. I can tell that you're excited as Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreak uh, are probably to cover this game. Uh, Which, (laughs) which way do you see this going, Ben? And I I don't remember if you're one that likes to throw out a prediction on a podcast or not, but uh, feel free to do that. Uh, How do you see this one going?
0: Hey, I'm happy to do it. You know, it's funny. Uh, I used to cover the Dolphins and I was there in 2007 in Pittsburgh for that three nothing game on that Mm. mud (laughs) field. And this game's going to be more boring. It might be lower scoring, too. Um, We might get a (laughs) two nothing game or as no, it's going to be like um, nine, nine three, maybe. I'll I'll go nine three Steelers. They'll get a few field goals. The Patriots will manage one. And it's going to be a great. I mean, Al Michaels, you know, don't give a bleep broadcast. He's going to be in the form. <laughs> so I'm, look, I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah, hopefully that it's just like running clock and they can just get through this game as quickly as possible. Um, and if, if the Steelers give up more than six points, I'll be shocked. So, uh, you know, put it in the bank is another win. It won't be pretty. But all that matters is that the Steelers are going to get to eight and five this week.
2: All right. Uh, tell the people what they can find from you over at the Boston Globe
0: yeah just uh please check me out at bostonglobe.com every Sunday I write a, a you know NFL notes column where I go around the league every every Monday and Tuesday I write a kind of a recap column uh and then uh, you can read my game coverage too in bostonglobe.com and then uh, on Twitter as well at at ben Volan.
2: All right, uh, Ben, have a safe trip. Uh, Have a happy holidays, and uh, who knows, we might be doing this again next year. So, the way these two teams, we'll see where they finish in the standings and all. But, uh, Ben, uh, as always, thanks for joining uh, Alex and myself on the Terrible Podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me,
2: guys.
1: And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. Again, our special thanks to Ben Bolin. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Bolin, the senior NFL writer for the Boston Globe. Great insight. No, it's been a tough season up there for him covering the team. Can't be fun overall, but appreciate Ben giving his time to talk with us, Dave.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Boy, I've gotten gotten old. I remember, I remember him covering the Dolphins, <laughs> and on. Now, I think one of his first podcast appearances uh, was with him uh, covering the Dolphins. I, I think we were asking him something related to CBA or something like that, even even way back then. Uh, so, always been a friend of the show, and it does seem like we have him on every year, and we'll have to see what how the how the schedule shakes out uh, next year or not. But uh, yeah, a, a great guest to have on, and. We We appreciate his time and make sure people go, go follow him and shout him out at Ben Volan uh, on Twitter slash X. We would appreciate that
1: for sure. All right, Dave, let's you and I preview this game. We'll start with the Patriots offense and it's been more offensive than offensive Uh, team. That's been shut out against the Chargers. They've been shut out twice this season. Dave, last time new England was shut out twice in a season, 1992. And in that 92 season, the Bill Belichick coach, Cleveland Browns, beat the Patriots that year, 1917. So all kind of coming full circle and what may be Bill Belichick's last season in New England seems to be the case, according to Ben. I know this offense for New England um, has really struggled, but I think we're all in, steel, in Steelers Nation in terms of our fan base, kind of always on edge that this will be the week, the get right game. Just You just never know. So is there anything that concerns you about this Patriots offense? Or if not, just what is your take on the offense overall?
2: I tell you, start first and foremost. This would be chicken soup for the uh, for for the Steelers' soul, right? If you're able to shut out mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Patriots at home on a Thursday night, uh, wearing the color rush uniforms with the right. gold uh, painted end zones, uh, coming off of uh, that bad taste of you in in your mouth, I mean, it really would not not that it would, you know. Uh, uh, cure all problems, but it sure would, it sure would look good on the resume, uh, to some Steeler fans. Uh, you asked me about the offense overall, man, I I struggled getting through those two, two games, uh, of, of, of all 22 when it, when it comes to watching them, uh, they're not going to have Romadre Stevenson, but they are going to have a big back in in, in, in Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, they they run a lot of the, you know they obviously run a lot of the same stuff no matter uh who the back is back there. They do seem to have uh to, to get their footing better in the running game when they do try to run uh between the tackles with either some of that inside zone or or or, or gap scheme or or along those lines there. Uh, they use motion, but uh, probably with Zappy, I don't think he's as Comfortable with the motion, heavy, heavy, heavy amounts of it. So this is just going to be strap them up, run, run, run those those simple plays, and see if you can block it up uh, with them. High diddle diddle sin Ezekiel up the middle, uh, uh, kind of stuff. Uh, when it comes to their pe- I, what what I did, kind of feel though is they try to lull you to sleep with that. You know uh mm-hmm. they, they, they try those inside runs they try those screens and then they'll put the put 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 the quarterback under center run play action and maybe try to shot play uh, uh that way they will obviously you they don't they are not afraid at all to use their running backs in the passing game so that's number one especially if you're playing zone against them uh well or man either uh, that they, they will try to use their running backs out of the backfield they'll try to get the ball to their to their tight ends quickly uh and they they run on a lot of screens and a lot of marks set up perfectly uh, at, at, at all, and then they will try to slip in with some of that uh, either jet motion or orbit motion uh, to get 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 the football on an end around or something like that to their wide receivers. But they don't attack the middle of the field uh, a lot past five yards past the line of scrimmage. Their shot plays are kind of what we've seen the Steelers do outside the numbers. They look for the one on one uh, matchups outside and then try to attack that. But I, their quarterback play as a whole, man, the, the zappy and, and Mac, Mac Jones accuracy. And yeah, maybe the weather has played a lot, probably played a lot into that, but they just don't, the quarterbacks have not seemed accurate at all. So if you're a fan of offense, uh, it's going to be a lot of, it feels like it's going to be a lot of small ball in this.
1: The one thing that concerns me about the Patriots offense, and there really is only one thing that does, are their tight ends in Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki. I know they have not put up big numbers this year, although Henry does have three touchdowns. He's responsible for 30% of their uh, passing touchdowns this year. And just based off of Pittsburgh's issues covering Trey McBride, given the issues at inside linebacker with Holcomb Alexander done for the season, Roberts as of Wednesday morning, very questionable may or may not play, but, um, you know, I'm kind of assuming he's not right now. I think they're going to attack the tight ends or attack the Seals linebackers with tight ends all day long and Kaseki and Henry, and those guys can make plays. So that's the one thing that gives me pause. They're going to stop the run. Zeke's a power back. They're going to you know, play downhill football Pittsburgh and stop that all day. Never really been an issue for them. Uh, Zappi is small and doesn't have an arm and they don't have any threats on the outside not concerned about that, but the thing that gives me the, the pause are their tight ends.
2: Yeah. Especially coming off this game against McBride, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You can bet, bet Bill Belichick picked up on that. And even if a Landon Roberts goes uh, by some chance, what, 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 what shape is he going to be in to, to run with? So they are going to have to focus in on, 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 on the tight ends in addition to trying to shut down uh, the interior run game. And yeah, you're right. If that's, if, if, if we're talking about a Patriots, win. On, on, uh, when would it be? Friday, then we're probably talking about those tight ends having nine catches, 120, 130, 150 yards, and a touchdown or two.
1: Yeah, so, and then Minka, you know, could try to cover, but he's got one hand right now with that broken left hand trying to tackle those guys. That's going to be an issue. So that, that's the thing that I'm worried about. Other than that, there really is not much else to say. Juju's become just a full-blown possession receiver. He's averaging under seven yards per reception. You're right, the screen game can occasionally do something. They had a big playoff of Zeke on the screen game. I think that was the Chargers last week. Um, but yeah, I remember watching Zappy at the Senior Bowl, and when I first saw him, I thought he was a media member because he was just that small. It looks, looks like a lacrosse kind of guy. He put up big numbers in Western Kentucky and kind of that wide open offense and played some decent football last year. But this year, just Mac Jones and Zappy. the whole, I, will, will we see any Malik Cunningham? I mean, he's, I think, practice squad. He's played six snaps this year. If I'm the Patriots, I'm going to use that guy a little bit. I mean, just an exciting undrafted free agent. That might give you something in the run game. If you're Belichick, I, I don't know why you wouldn't try it.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm with you there. Didn't they have all three quarterbacks active last week?
1: Yeah, I think Cunningham was an elevation, I want to say. Um, so I just wonder if there's going to be a wrinkle. I know it's a short week, as you said, as Belichick said, tough to implement something, but you're 2-10. and ten. Your offense is the worst historically. I mean, it's it's going to be the worst in about over a decade from a points-per-game perspective, so why not try?
2: And short week and, and all like that, whatever, you know, uh, and, and I I thought we might see, but they didn't have to do this. As, as I wrote my five keys ahead of the game against the Cardinals, expect the unexpected you know, because the Cardinals had run a couple of fake putts, you know, the, 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 the this season uh, when you're, when you're two and 10, you don't give a damn about anything. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. You just try, you're just trying to win the game. So uh, could we see some trickeration? Could we see Malik uh, Cunningham out there and then try to do some things off that? Yeah, I, I, I do think that's possible there, but uh, I, I, when you talk about their offense, you know, it, it they're going to try to run the football uh, they're going to try to, Stay out of third and long situations, obviously, and not let uh, the Steelers pass rushers. But it's going to be a lot of quick stuff, a dump downs to the running backs. Their running backs could have ten catches in this game easily combined, uh, and their tight ends have another ten there. So, try to keep them behind the chains as much as possible. Keep them in second and seven or third and uh, long situations, and 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 get off the field and. You know, may, may uh, you know, one thing I didn't pick up a lot of in 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 these two games against the Giants and the Chargers were were batted passes, and I did, I, I kind of try to focus to see if 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 they're, they're the linemen in those games were doing a good job of getting their hands up, but I didn't get a good sense that they were. And one thing that we we know has been the onus on the Steelers these these last several weeks is get those hands up. And when you have a shorter quarterback like Bailey Zappi, I'm not saying I'm just saying that. Uh, and the Steelers haven't had a lot of luck with with those batted passes bouncing up and and floating and landing in the right arms. I
1: think there might be a chance of that this week, Alex. It's a great point. How tall is Bailey Zappi? Six foot, six one. I forget ex- his exact height, but you're right, because Pittsburgh has played so many quick game offenses and the Patriots are going to be fairly similar, especially with their screen game usage. Um, that may be an opportunity. They they batted two against the Cardinals and Murray was a short quarterback and Benton got him once and Ogan got him a second time. So that's a great point.
2: And how about one of those uh rushes where TJ Watt knows that the ball's gonna come out quick and he he kind of uh half rushes and then drops and gets gets it makes one of those interceptions uh uh Three yards from the from the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage. You know that that's the kind of stuff that I think that you need to try to do uh, in this game because I, I I can't envision unless they get way behind or way behind the chains quite a bit in this game that you're going to see Bailey Zappi hold on to the football. Now they're going to pick their shots in the passing game. Even that one down the right side to uh, uh, to Parker in that in in this last game, it was kind of an ill. You know what a Parker made a great. Great play on the ball, right? I mean, they have not looked good trying to push the football down the field at all. So uh, explosive plays are going to be a premium in this mm-hmm. game. Whether And if they get a few of them on the ground, shame on the Steelers' defense if, if, if that happens. Because uh, an explosive play or two in this game could, could be enough to get an extra field goal in this game and win it.
1: But I will say Pittsburgh's defense has to create some turnovers. They gotta get a short field for their offense to put up some points and what's expected to be a low scoring affair. They did not get a turnover against Arizona. That's uncharacteristic of them. Patriots have not taken great care of the football overall, although as Ben said, Bailey Zappi did at least do that against the Chargers, but Pittsburgh can't just play a game of punts. They gotta get a get a splash play themselves. All right, I agree. All right. Flipping over to the Patriots defense, the clearly better, the two units. And I think that run defense is really strong. Uh-huh. I mean, again, from a, a, a statistical perspective, number one in the NFL in yards per carry allowed at 3.2. I forget the exact stat. I don't think that they've allowed like 20 plays of 10 plus yards in the run game, which is number one in the NFL as well. So they don't allow big plays. They got big people up front, bar more. I, I've always been a big fan of Juwan Bentley, just like an old school 1990s linebacker, downhill, hitch type of dude. This team can stop the run. And as you alluded to, Bill Belichick still to this day, despite the terrible season, he takes away your fastball. What you do well as an offense, he's a defensive minded coach. You can bet he's going to do everything in his power to stop the running game for Pittsburgh and make Mitch Trubisky beat him.
2: Uh, I agree, but I, I, I and you would agree with this as well too. It doesn't mean you don't. it Doesn't mean you automatically go away from what you, what you've been doing. Well, I think you just mix up. Uh, you're, you're, you, are you are you will try to take something off or add a little bit to your fastball. Get a little bit more movement on it. Yeah, if you will. I, I think a guy like Jalen Warren, uh, it could, could be the medicine, uh, that that you need in this one in the running game because. The longer it takes to play to develop against that run front, the better they are. I think, uh, once again, I I'm with you Their Their defensive front is strong. I wouldn't mind trying to run at white over there when he's in the game, uh, to be honest with you. But, uh, uh, I, I try to block this up and I try to get uh, Jalen Warren through, through the hole on uh, uh, quickly. I think that's the way that you run the football uh, on on this front is get to the hole quickly uh, before some of these defensive linemen and linebackers can get off their blocks. If the Steelers are going to have any success in the running game, I theorize that it might come via some, some Jalen Warren carries.
1: I'm with you. No, I, I agree. Pittsburgh cannot get away from the run game. They have to run the ball. They do not win games in which they, they are unable to run the football. But my concern is it, it's going to be a challenge and yeah. they're going to have to come up with some sort of scheme. It's going to be really important for Pat Meyer, the O-line coach, and kind of de facto run game coordinator, and Eddie Faulkner as well, given his you know run game background, to uh, have a good plan. I don't know exactly what the answer is to, to win in the run game beyond execution. And Pittsburgh's run game, of course, has been humming. So it's kind of just keep doing what you're doing and make sure you execute but you're facing a much better run defense than you faced against the Bengals and the Cardinals and those type of units. This is a unit that can really stop the run and will be equipped and and schemed specifically to stop the run. So if Pittsburgh can't run the ball if they really have you know inconsistency running the ball. Then you're getting Trubisky and some third and longs. You're getting some you know bad third down situations to be in, and then you start worrying about the turnovers and. Field position, those types of things.
2: guy uh, great! You know, it'd be a great week to use a little bit more under center stuff and some play action off of that. I think with a guy like Trubisky, uh, try to lull them because the, the Patriots are going to try to do the same thing. I think on offense, try to lull you to sleep with some of those interior runs, uh, and. And then if they get in a situation where they're in second and four, second and three uh, play action and have a quick hitter uh, somewhere to, to, to hopefully get some yards after the catch. I think the Steelers should be trying to do that on the offensive side of the football as well too, and make it seem less obvious by putting, putting a guy like Trubisky under center. Mm-hmm. Plus you eliminate the, 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 the long snap, <laughs> <laughs> True. You know, the, the shotgun snap. So, I mean, are we going to see 12, 13 play action on, uh, center type plays. No, I'm not calling for that, but I, I think if you do get a, a manageable ahead of the sticks type situation, uh, that would be the perfect opportunity to do that. Uh, and, and, and hopefully try to get some of those linebackers uh, to suck up and bite on that, to maybe hit you know, a guy like Friermuth over the middle or
1: something. Sure. I'm with you there. Um, coverage wise. I'm still going through some of my film study. You might be able to speak to it better than I can. I think more zone than man. Some cover one, cover one robber in some third down situations. You know, there's still kind of a man or zone match principle type team, the yeah. whole Belichick Sabin tree. So you're going to get, you know, matchup zone type stuff. Um, but as Ben said, with some of the injuries, losing Gonzalez and JC Jackson being a shell of his, you know, self, uh, the secondary can certainly be uh, attacked.
2: Yeah, they do a four man rush. It looks like, uh, according to SIS, uh, 62% of the time they blitz 30% of the time, which I I think usage wise ranks them seventh in the league. So they'll mug, they'll mug, and uh, probably you know, seven times out of 10, when they mug somebody's coming uh, there, they'll, they'll, they'll bring guys off the edges and, and, and things like that to try to disrupt the passing game. Uh, I'm with what Ben said. I think you got to take your, 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 your chances uh, on, on the outside. I think they match up very, very now they have some talented safety, safety still in, in your preppers and, 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 and Kyle Dougler. Dugger, but uh, I I would be trying to attack their corners. Uh, in in who Jonathan Jones, J.C. Jackson, and and I guess Miles Bryant's their, their their nickel there. But we haven't seen the Steelers really exploit the slot position all that much.
1: Yeah, they haven't had a slot receiver to really exploit that with, besides Allen Robinson making a couple of tough catches underneath. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they as you said, they blitz and their blitz rate is high, and they got their defensive backs have four sacks, so they're gonna. I, I still think it's a decent defense. Belichick knows defense. The offense is a mess, but he knows defense. It's what he grew up on, and, and they still have a. I mean, if they had even an average offense, they would not be a two and ten team. They'd be in. They'd be in the hunt. They'd be competitive. Uh, I think that defense can make some plays.
2: Uh, some uh, just some quick slants. Mix some of those in there. Once again, some play action. Uh, if you if you get a easily identified one-on-one matchups on the outside, you got to let your guys make the plays.
1: And then on special teams, I think really important here. Anytime you're in low scoring, close games, which is one likely to be special teams is really going to matter. Field position is going to matter. Pittsburgh has lost that battle and they've had penalties the last couple of weeks as well. So, you know, boss has to make his kicks. Harvin has to be better. You know, Harvin's numbers the last couple of weeks have been among the worst in football in terms of his average. Uh, The penalties have to be cleaned up and the Patriots have to be on their piece and keys as well. Their kicker chatter islands. He's as Ben said, kind of in danger of at least being benched or, no longer being the starting kicker. He missed, missed a 35-yarder that would have tied the game against the, the Giants and lost that game because of that. So um, they brought in, I think, actually Matthew Wright, I want to say, on their practice squad right now. Not that I expect him to play in this game, but ex-Steelers kicker uh, maybe taking over there. So special teams, I think, becomes really, really critical in these low-scoring, uh, you know, close type of games.
2: You know, if I'm Bill Belichick... Uh I, I don't know if he'll do this or not. I think seriously of maybe elevating Matthew Wright and letting him kick in this game because he knows the uh mm-hmm. uh knows the confines, if you will. Uh and you know, he he's he he can make some you know, because of of, of a forty-three yard field goal in this game could win the game, right? You know, and sure. uh, you got a guy uh, in in Ryland who's struggling, who knows he's struggling, who knows the Heat's probably on him uh, Thursday night. Uh, p- uh, g- uh, kicking at uh, Akershire's, uh no picnic. Uh, any anyway, so I might try to outthink myself if I'm Bill Belichick and 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 do something like uh, uh, have Matthew Wright. Uh, up up, up! kicking for me in this game, but uh, a lot different than what you were talking about last week when it comes to kickers, right?
1: Uh, oh, yeah, with both Matt Prater being the Cardinals weapon and his leg. Sure, absolutely. It's a big change. I think the weather at least is going to be decent in Pittsburgh tomorrow. If it was maybe really bad weather, maybe I think I'd be more inclined to go with right to somebody that's kind of kicked in those conditions. But um, either way, I mean, I expect Ryland to be the kicker. It just, you know, can he make his kicks? All right. Any final thoughts here with the Patriots? Again, I'm just worried about the run defense the Patriots have, which is really strong, and their tight ends offensively. Those two things, I think, could actually give Pittsburgh some problems.
2: Uh, I would agree. And whoever can uh, register the most uh, explosive plays and maybe get the extra turnover or two could be the difference in this game. Protect the football.
1: It's a race for the first of ten points, it feels mm. like. First one to get there might win this one. We'll make the rest of our predictions here for my bookie on Friday. But Dave, I guess we'll jump right on into right. it here. Uh prediction. Should I go first? Well, I'm usually I guess I'm usually first, so I'll give why, my why my- don't
2: you let me go first? Right. Uh uh in in, in 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 this one here. Uh where is my let me pull up my sheet here real quick. You got any extra thoughts here?
1: I'm interested in your score. You always give the the odd number. This is a good week for an odd number type of game. As Ben said, kind of a nine to three type Type situation. I wonder how how a how close you're going to have this game predicted, and just the actual uh, numbers for for each. Side. Well,
2: I'm I'm cheating this week because the script has been released.
1: <laughs> I did uh, see that. Yeah.
2: Uh, the script has been leaked uh, on Reddit, uh, according to a user here, and I believe it. Uh, I'm going with it again. I shouldn't go with this, but uh, look if if the if the signs are there for you, you might as well take them. I wanted to beat you to the score prediction because I had a feeling you might try to beat me to it. Steelers win this one 20 to 16. Uh, 36 total points in this one. Uh, I don't know how they do it. Maybe a defensive touchdown or something along those lines. Maybe there's a, a defensive touchdown for each team uh, mm. in 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 this one. I, and I think Vegas and, and the Lions are begging you uh, to to still, they're, they're trying to bait you into taking this under. So I'm going to go over in this one, 36 total points in this one. I bet this game ends up being a little bit better than what we're predicting it to be. Uh, 2016 Steelers win, and I'm going to end up regretting that.
1: For those who are not terminally online like we are, the uh, script was what? The, in, inside the stadium, they had just posted uh, a 20 to 16 score. Somebody and I don't know how
2: current cur- that is or what. Uh, that could be four years old for all I know. Uh, yeah. but, it, it said uh, it was
1: the, what, there were 86 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So I don't know how tr- accurate everything on that uh, stadium shot was.
2: I'm just taking it as a sign. As I need sign. I need some sort of sign here, Alex. All right.
1: Well, I'll, I'll take it. A win is a win. Take it any way you can get it to me. Must win. You can't lose this game. You can't drop to seven and six. You can't have a long weekend while the rest of the AFC passes you by. You can't drop the back-to-back two-win teams or two and ten. I mean, it might, it might break this locker room if that happens. But I, I I was confident against the Cardinals, and I regret that. And I shouldn't have been as confident as I was at high-scoring game prediction. And, and that was, uh, you know, woefully fell flat. So maybe I'm a little s- stunned by that. But I got Pittsburgh winning this game, but it's going to be just an ugly, ugly nail-biter win. 17-14 to 14 in overtime, an mm. overtime Thursday night game. Al Michael will love you for that. Grumpy Al, full force, 100%. Um, he'll make some comments about, oh, extra football between these two teams. Can't wait, as Kirk just laughs and tries to move along. But 17-14 in overtime. I think Pittsburgh will have some issues running the football. I'm just worried about Gasecki and Henry making plays. And just typical Pittsburgh to kind of make the Patriots look better than they actually are. So that's my prediction in this one.
2: All right. So we both the over-under right now on myboogie.ag is 30 points in this game. Could this go to <laughs> 29 and a half by kickoff? I guess the weather might could 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 determine mm-hmm. that. So I believe both of us have this going over 30 points, and I believe we both have the Steelers winning, and we both have the Patriots covering because the line is the Steelers by six in this one.
1: Yeah, so. or I,
2: I would have it, I guess as as, as a push. Then no, no, he's I said, had, no, you are twenty
1: to sixteen. Now you got them covered.
2: Yeah, I got them covered.
1: Yeah, so either way, get a win. I mean, let me just ask you this: Let's say they win this four point game, this three point overtime game. How do you feel about that? I mean, a win is a win, but of course they're not all created equal, and to squeak one out against the Patriots is going to still have some concern, I'm sure.
2: Right now, I'm 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 less concerned about style points than I am Ws. Uh, at this point, so th- this team needs to win these next two games, and uh, you even look ahead now, at Cincinnati and what Cincinnati did uh the other night against uh, the Jaguars with, with with Jake Browning at quarterback, and 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 all, you kind of get a little bit fearful looking ahead at that, and they've. You know, they're the number five seed right now, and they're going to have to continue to win to maintain at least that. They missed a golden opportunity, obviously, with the Cardinals, and then the, the Browns losing, and the Chiefs losing, and the Jaguars lo- losing. Uh, Mike, Ta- uh, uh, the Steelers are 4 and 0 this season coming off of losses. They're 6 0 coming off of losses dating back to their bye week uh, last year. You got to know that they have a bat, and, and once again, color rush Thursday night, the painted in zones, uh, getting smacked in the mouth And uh, last week, there's they better win this game. All I'm concerned about is them winning this game.
1: That's fair. That, that's totally understandable because, yeah, I, I know that a couple weeks ago we looked at the schedule and said it's looking pretty favorable for Pittsburgh. Then they lose to Arizona. The Patriots will see, but every other team they're playing the rest of the way after the Patriots game, is 500 or better the Bengals are six and six the Colts are seven and five people have to understand they're seven and five Seattle six and six um and then of course the the Ravens are first place in the AFC or actually I think the first seed in the uh, AFC at large or second seed whatever they are right now but obviously uh one of the better teams in the conference so you you know you might have thought okay it's an easier schedule backup quarterbacks but no such luck here. So you better get this this victory against the Patriots.
2: Boy, you think uh, Steeler fans came unglued after this loss to uh, to uh, to Arizona? Uh, it's it's going to it. And look, this is a Thursday night game, so we got longer to stew about it too, mm-hmm. right? Uh, between the next one, I don't. No matter how you lose this, bad call, whatever. Uh, if if they lose this game it's going to make for a long week for all of us.
1: We're going to move to Albuquerque, you and I, Dave, if they lose this game and just say, all right, we'll, we'll see you next year. We're going to sit uh, there
2: and, and move to Albuquerque and and, and uh, fill up on pistachios and all like that. I'll, that sounds like a plan.
1: I'll take it. All right, Dave, any final thoughts here? Do you want to get us some reader, reader emails and close out today's show?
2: All right, let's do it here. Let me sort this out real quick for us. Uh, we are looking at Adam. Gesk writes back in. Would love to hear both of you weigh in on the idea amongst some fans that the problem isn't coaching. The problem is execution. My opinion is that execution is very obviously on both. If a guy doesn't execute, the coach should coach him up or change the scheme to lean on the things the players do well or replace the players with backups. If the players aren't good enough, the coach should be working with the GM to make changes. I don't believe for a second that Tomlin hasn't had a hand in selecting these players. He constantly talks about why he wanted these guys from Kenny to Najee to Kendrick Green being a day one starter. I just flat out do not understand the idea that coaches coach and players play and therefore that the players just have to execute. I've never seen Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan make any plays. And yet again, it looks like a great uh, uh, shot there right back in the championship game as usual. So he, he's boiling this down to uh, if execution is the problem, then that goes back to to, 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 to the coaches.
1: Yeah, it's always, to me, a mix of both. It's never just the players or just the coaches. And I think the the really salient point there is if, if the execution issues continue, then eventually you got to put that on the coaches for either not making the changes or adjustments or whatever the cases they have to do to, to get this team right. So, I mean, just big picture, this offense, Dave, has been bad for years. It okay. just, it's, you know, this is not an isolated one-year type of thing, and it's getting worse, not better. And that becomes more of an organizational thing the longer this problem persists.
2: Uh, I don't know how much of a level he wants me to put it on it, but yeah, if, if execution is continually a problem, especially some of the things that we're talking about that things that shouldn't, if we're, if it, if it, if it can be chalked up more to, uh, execution in personnel and, and things of that, you know, stuff that you would expect to see in September versus uh, December. Uh, yeah, that's that, you know, the coaches got to got to wear a lot of that. If it's uh, a guy missing a block or something or, or running a, a wrong route. I mean, that one, one guy on a, a 11 guys can ruin a play. So uh, is that one player continuing to do it? to, to do, you know, there, I I guess what I'm getting at is there is a balance of who owns what, uh, the thing that you don't want to see is, is continued execution issues in all areas because then it's, you know, heavily on both sides there. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I I don't know where to draw the line of execution laying more on a player side or a coach's side. I believe it's all of it.
1: Yeah. I think from our outsider point of view, it's hard to. You know, compartmentalize that and assign specific blame. I mean, we will analyze the game and players kind of come first because they're on the field and we're able to watch them and and, and see the actual technique and plays they make and plays they don't. But um, again, I don't like to you know broadly sit there and say it's just on the players or just on the coaches. It's always a combination of both.
2: Let's see here. I've got uh, one that uh, Danny keeps sending in. I haven't got to. Uh, Thanks for the coverage. Been following the site since 2009. Beeple is the best in the business, uh, and it's not even close. Thank you. He says, can you explain why the Steelers will be pushed up to the cap without a franchise quarterback on the roster? I thought once Ben's dead money. Uh, was done with the team uh, would have way more to spend. I see teams like San Francisco load up their roster and still remain cap compliant. How is it the Steelers employees signing mid and low level free agents and still run over the cap? My ultimate concern question is, is do you think the Steelers will examine uh, their approach to the cap so they can make more significant splash signings or just stick to the status quo? Uh, here's why you're, if you're, and, and you know it's been since the bye week since I did the cap kind of initially Kind of cap look ahead uh, to this team uh, in 2024. I mean, you've got a lot of guys that you've you've recently signed to 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 the bigger contracts there. That you know, the first year those cap hits are a little bit uh, a little bit lower, uh, and then you get into the second and third years uh, that 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 those cap numbers start to climb. That's part of it because who have you given big contracts to uh, recently? Uh, Watt Minka. Alex Highsmith's going to have a, a, a larger number next year. Uh, Deontay in the final year of his contract. Uh a little bit higher number. You got guys that you re-sign this or or even outside free agents and say Amalo's gonna have a uh you know, not 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 a, 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 a huge, huge cap number, but a cap number higher than his first year. Ogan Joby second year of his new deal. Uh those things add up when you start stacking them uh one on top of the other there. Now, as usual, am I worried about the Steelers? You know, the question becomes, should anybody at this point uh, be concerned about the Steelers cap situation in 2024, uh, as we sit here today? And the short answer to that is, is, and usually is uh, no, they're going to have some decisions to make here. Uh, We talked about the guys that have March roster bonuses, uh, Patrick Peterson. Uh, Ogan Joby's going to be a, a, an interesting decision. Uh, at this point, Chacoma McCore for, and that, that cap number is going to probably be off the books, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would not expect him to be back in 24.
2: Uh, you have, uh, Alex Highsmith. You could go to him and get a restructure done on that to bring his cap number down. Uh, the Steelers constantly, when it comes to cash and cap, two different situations there, but they, they, they usually like this. Now, it'll be interesting to see the cash situation being year one of the three-year span coming up here. But push comes to shove. Uh, they're going to make the necessary moves to trim off the fat of, 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 of this thing, get cap compliant. But I, I guess the, the meat of this question here is, is do you think the Steelers will examine their approach to the cap so they can make more significant splash signings or just stick to the status quo? status quo it would have they last year was fairly busy with free agency right
1: i would say the last two off seasons have been yeah, yeah.
2: uh now are they going to go i if if danny would ask the question would we expect them to go up over the top in other words sign a top two or top three free agent at any one one position i don't expect them to do that
1: you had talked about a couple weeks ago, maybe that they should change their approach. I think they
2: should consider Mm -hmm. that. Obviously it depends on the player and the need, but if you have a glaring hole at a position, then you should be, and depending what, what, what that free agent crop looks like. If you have the opportunity to go out there and make a key splash signing, even if it would be considered top of the market, which that that's the thing. They always, they love this hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, If they go out and get a free agent uh, and and pay him decent money, they want to make sure that that, that, that player comes in, not hurting the feelings of average yearly value of the guys, regardless of the position ahead of them. They just, that that's always, they're predictable when it comes to that point.
1: Right. Who are, just to spend five seconds on this, who are the top free agents for next year? Do we have any idea who some of those names, maybe I'm trying to search some names. There's some quarterbacks out there, but well, I mean, gonna Kirk, little...
2: everybody's going to talk about yeah. the Steelers and Kirk cousins, right?
1: Yes. There should be endless conversations about that.
2: Uh, so that we're People are going to be talking about that for, for quite some while. Kirk cousins, Ryan Tannehill, nobody wants Ryan Tannehill, right?
1: No, no, Pittsburgh. Uh,
2: Leonard Williams, uh, I think, uh, is set to be a unrestricted guy. He's 30 years old. Chris Jones, right? Uh, Danielle Hunter. They don't need an edge guy to spend money on. Mike Evans is 31. Odell Beckham's 32. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at them based on current AP APY, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, DJ reader, Ryan Jensen's 33, uh, uh, he's about done anyway. Uh, I mean, you start going through this list, and it's not it's not that appetizing, right?
1: All right. Uh, I, I do see Buda Baker's name. I know there was that whole thing in the summer, right? and they were they weren't going to trade for him. And you got the Minka contract. How do you balance that? But if you just first glance, two seconds, not thinking about it, throw out a name, Buda Baker to play strong safety.
2: I mean, I suppose uh, uh, uh that that you know such a direction wouldn't hurt for sure to pair with Minka Fitzpatrick. Normally, though, you're not looking and I'm just once again, this list on over the cap is sorted by current AP APY, which means these guys are already coming off of big contracts where the sweet spot is, is the guy that's going that that might not get franchise tag that's coming off his first contract. Right.
1: Right, right. We're getting him in like the prime of his career.
2: But you're going to have to pay through the nose positionally because he's a prime candidate. And and I'm struggling at, at, at finding a guy that even kind of fit that.
1: Yeah, we'll take more time to talk about it, obviously, later, but just may not be the most attractive crop of free agents. Then, of course, guys are going to resign and get tagged and et cetera, et cetera, which will shrink the pool. Maybe they will surprise
2: us, but unless you go out and get a, and and look, uh, 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 you you talked about Budabek. He wants to be one of the top paid safeties in the league, right? So that he would does. be that would be an outside the box kind of Steelers thing to go out and get a strong safety play, paid top of the market value uh, to get a guy like that.
1: It would, yeah. Just, uh, I guess if we're going to speculate, then you know, speculate about them doing something different. Then there's an idea. Of course, I can already hear the Colin Coward takes. Oh, they just keep spending on defense. So, right. There's there's that as well.
2: I mean, outside of going out and getting, let's say, whatever side Broderick Jones doesn't play, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, as far as tackle, tackle would be one uh, position that you, that, that there could be, there would, there will be a push from the fan base to go spend money on. I can see that. Quarterback is going to, you know, like it or not. Uh, fans are going to talk about the quarterback position where else on offense, though, are you going to go? People are going to say, go sign X receiver. They're not going to go out and sign, a uh, uh, a top of the market value wide receiver.
1: Probably not. Although I think this team very much strongly needs a slot receiver sure. in some capacity for agency draft. I mean, they're getting no production there the last two seasons.
2: And then what about defense, uh, uh, Are you tired of them going, even if they went out and got a top of the market inside linebacker? Would that, would that, or do you want to see him finally attack that via the draft?
1: I prefer the draft, but I'm, you know, it just depends on the name. Um, You know, Holcomb will be, will be back and Robert should be back on that two-year deal. I mean, Alexander, probably not off that second uh, career torn Achilles. Uh, I think the answer though is is drafting long-term at that position.
2: All right, and do you expect them to go out and spend money on a, on, a, on a top-tier corner to play opposite Porter?
1: It's a spot to look at. They need one. Uh, they're not cheap, though, top-tier corners, of course. Um, But it's something to consider. Who are the top corners on, on the market next year? I've, to had, really I've had to look. Yeah, just really quickly here, and I'm not spending any thought on this, Dory Jackson, Kendall Fuller, Gilmore, and he's getting pretty old. It's not looking like a great list of names out there.
2: Uh, uh, what about the bears, uh, kid? Oh uh, yeah.
1: Jalen Johnson. Although uh, will he get tagged cause they signed sweat and so they could tag him if they want to there's right. that whole conversation.
2: I right. And then the only other position was what you hit on strong safety.
1: Yeah. So anyway, that's the rabbit hole that we don't need to go down. I, I took this down. I probably shouldn't have, but we'll see what free agency brings. We'll talk about it when the off season comes.
2: Uh, Kevin Doubleday been a listener since 2012. Love the show. Appreciate all the work you guys uh, put into making the best students podcast around. Thank you for that. My question concerns Mitchell Trubisky and Mason Rudolph would pick it out for the foreseeable future. Thomas said we will roll with Trubisky as a starter. I wanted to ask you, do you believe Mitch has earned his spot based on merit or is a product of his contract and or draft? pedigree. I personally have not seen any play from Mitch during his time as a student. That makes me believe he is capable of operating the offense at a high level, higher level than Mason. Uh, number two, do you anticipate if Mitch struggles Mason will be given an uh, opportunity at some point during this stretch? Let's answer the second part. First, I think we kind of hit on this maybe in the last show uh, here. Uh, if, 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 if Mitch comes out in this game and, looks like he's costing you the game and it doesn't get out of hand, I would consider hooking him. Uh, I don't think there's any politics to have to worry about here by hooking Mitch in this game. And even if you go to Mason and Mason falls flat on his face, then you can go back to Mitch without issue uh, the next game here. Uh, 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 do I think Mike Tomlin would have the gumption to do that. My gut says no. Do I think he should consider it? If look, it depends on what it looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's if it's if it's three interceptions and two of them bounce off of a receiver's face mask that should be caught, you know, it depends on what it looks like. But if he's going out there and he's struggling and it's noticeably struggling and you're in a tight game and you're thinking, man, we need a spark here. Sure, I would consider giving Mitch the hook.
1: Yeah, I mentioned that I think on Monday's show that this is a must win game. You cannot lose this game, obviously. And if you're at halftime and things aren't going well and Trubisky's struggling, then you consider a change there. To the question about the merit of it, I mean, I think Trubisky, if you compare the two, is the better player than Rudolph. Obviously, his contract is a reason why he's the number two quarterback and is going to get that first look. He's the number two quarterback all year, gotten the reps, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I'm fine with that, but I just am worried about his gunslinger mentality with a team like Pittsburgh that just cannot afford any turnovers.
2: Well, here's the thing with Mason. If you put Mason in this game, Mason's going to, uh, uh, going to try to push the football down the field because he's going to be you only, you know, he's going to say, I'm sure, De- uh, I'm sure George Pickens is down there somewhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and he has
2: pushed the football down the yes. field uh, before, you know? Yeah.
1: He's got an arm. He's aggressive. He's, you know, uh, a big 12 type of quarterback, but he's not, he's a very much like he'll run your offense exactly how you want it to be run as a coach. Like whatever, whatever you tell him to do, he's going to do. And he's not as gunslinger mentality. Like Trubisky will throw it into triple coverage and just All take right. the risk. Uh, Rudolph will, will take the deep shot, but he's going to calculate that a bit more. I think uh, effectively and efficiently.
2: I wrote about this yesterday of these next few games do you think regardless what happens with Mitch Trubisky in these next few, few, few games, he's back in 2000 and, 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 and 24, I mean, it's only five something million. And obviously uh, he has a uh, 1 million of that. So roster bonus is due to him in, 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 in March. Uh, I wanted to double uh, over the cap does not list uh, a maturation date on the uh, Mitch Trubisky roster bonus. So I checked with Joel Corey and Joel said uh, that Mitch Trubisky's roster bonus is tied to the third, Day of the league year in March, so if you are going to cut Mitch Trubisky during the offseason, you would have to probably you would probably want to do so in March. To uh, although um, you know a million dollars eating a million dollars to keep him until week one isn't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. It's just not something we normally see the Steelers do. in that uh, does, uh, long story short, does it matter. Is is Mitch playing for his 2004 roster March roster bonus right now?
1: Well, that's probably the best
2: way to say that.
1: I'll preface by saying I've been wrong about some Trubisky related things before, as in I did not expect a contract extension this past offseason. And I was very much wrong about that. So, you know, you're getting what you're paying for giving my answer here. I I think he's a stealer next year. I don't unless he just absolutely tanks these next couple of games. It's not a ton of money. They just extended him last offseason. They like him. You like him in the locker room, they like him for Kenny. And if you cut him, who do you replace him with? Like sure. Mitch Light, just another veteran, you know, journeyman quarterback. Sure. I mean, it's gonna be a, Mason's a free agent. Your quarterback room's gonna be changing uh, unless he just absolutely sucks the next three, four games. He'll be back next year.
2: But my contention is is you have a backup to, that you that you have confidence in that can come in and win you a game or two when you need it the most. And these two weeks are that situation. And uh, now if he wins, I don't care what it looks like. At least he won the game.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I understand. But, 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 I mean, but-, but
2: what if he, you know, or we don't know how long Kenny, I I, I think Kenny's going to at least be out two weeks. Uh, it could be as many as four or five for all we know. But let's assume that uh, Mitch, let, let's let, let let's split the difference and say Mitch has to start these next three. Mm-hmm. All right, if he goes one and two or worse in these three.
1: You know, well, again, it, it depends on how it looks. Are they one right. and two because Trubisky threw a bunch of picks, or is they one and two because something else happened? I mean, you have to look at the, the details and just the overall result. I mean, I did. my question is, okay, you cut him, who, who do you replace him with?
2: Sure, it's, it's a valid question, especially at that because five million – Five million now for a backup quarterback isn't what five million was several years ago. So it 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 it's not like a killing price.
1: Yeah, and typically this is not a team that signs a guy you know four months ago, five right. months ago, and then cuts them you know the year after. They don't typically operate that way.
2: So it would have to look bad these next three games, assuming that's how many he has to start for for this team to say, man, do we really want to go that direction as the backup next year? Yeah, I would say so. Okay uh hopefully answer we answer this question appropriately there. Uh, let's see Ryan writes in hi David Knox, do you guys feel that the student schematics or playbooks are too complex? Defensively, week after week, we continue to see players waving frantically pre snap to try to communicate with each other. Certain key players go down with injuries and no one on defense is on the same page and seem able to, to get situa- situated. Lastly, Kenny's lack of durability and his play is increasingly becoming more worrisome. And I hope the students can draft a safety that they could pair along, uh, alongside with Mika. Uh, my initial thoughts. I, I think offensively, they could be a little bit more complex, to be quite honest with you.
1: <laughs> was he talking about defensively, or was he just kind of broadly talking? He about says, the team?
2: do you guys feel that the Steelers schematics or playbooks are too complex in with a question mark? And then defensively, he goes week okay. after week, we continue to see players waving free. So it's, I I take it as both, 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 both mm-hmm. sides of the football.
1: Yeah, I would say offensively, it's not complex. It's, if anything, as you said, it may not be detailed enough.
2: All right. What about defensively? You you spend a lot of time looking at that.
1: They have they're a more veteran group. And so you kind of get more happening there. And they really try to match personnel by, you know, going with their three safety set or four, four defense, stuff like that. So you kind of get more of rotation and usually you're, you're reacting there to the offensive personnel. So you're always kind of a step behind getting your guys out there. I, I don't think it's necessarily too complex. The, the, for years, their philosophy has been kind of keep it simple so guys can play f- uh, fast and free. I just think, yes, there's been a lot of communication issues, and that's a big problem, but you just lost so many guys. You've lost so many you know key hubs of communication. You're on fourth-string inside linebackers, new guys to your system, and Walker and Mark Robb is not really trusted, second-year guy for him. So I just think they're in a tough spot trying to deal with injuries they did not expect to happen to this degree.
2: You think Minka wears the dot?
1: That's a good question. Um, that, that's something
2: nobody asked yesterday, I don't think, either. And that's something I would have uh asked, and it's something we haven't talked about. Who were uh, assuming a landon does not play, which that's that's not safe at this point to say that. Mm. Uh been surprised before. But he, you know, who who let's say he does play and he he lasts 10 plays, comes out with that groin again. Uh who who you know, is making an option to wear that dot?
1: Well, I think Walker got it when Roberts went down last week. If Miles Jack plays, you give him the dot, call the mm-hmm. defense. He knows the defense. So, frankly, it might be Miles Jack, assuming he plays.
2: Okay. All right. Figured to throw that one out there. Uh, one last one from Bryce. Uh, if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm going to Mason Cole this week and saying, You've got Thursday to show me uh, what you got. I'm going with Nate the rest of the season at center. Uh, time to put up or shut up with, with, with Cole. Do you agree uh, or disagree and why? Number two, Trey McBride was a weapon for, th- for this time. You guys are very thoughtful in your coverage of the team. So please explain to me during a the week, there was not an emphasis for Minka to shadow probably their best pass catcher. How does that not make it into the game plan? Well, look, Alex talked a lot about Trey McBride. I don't know if he's talking about us or the team uh, not taking trade. Trade. You talk about Trey McBride mm. uh, 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 dur- during the buildup last week. Now, why? Yeah. why uh, so I think we're off the hook there. To, to, to... Now, did I see him having that kind of game? No, but I mean, uh, once 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 Landon Roberts went off the field, man, they they certainly did attack that. Uh, sure, they should have put more emphasis on, uh, especially at halftime.
1: Or during that two-minute drive, when he's just cooking you, I mean, just making play after play, and they never did. Even on the touch, even after he scored the touchdown that was taken off the board, they they still didn't put Minka on him. Now, maybe you could argue he had broken his hand, and they worried about him tackling. I don't even they I don't even think Minka realized he broke his hand at that point. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it was a mistake. I, I, I'm not excusing the team. I think they made a, a terrible error in calculation by keeping Walker and putting Casey on McBride and not putting Minka on him. I think it was a, a big problem.
2: And he wants us to answer, how does that not make it into the gameplay? We cannot answer that question.
1: I can't. Yeah. I mean, I know on, you know, Ben's podcast, he talked about, did they not know who this guy was? I have to think the coaches knew who he was. The guy was making plays for Arizona. Um, He's not like some guy that came off the practice squad and you really just didn't have a feel for how he would fit into the offense. Um, But it's a, it's a, a NFC team. You hadn't, you know, hadn't faced him before. So maybe there's an element of that, but, but I just think they made a mistake.
2: All right. What do you think about Mason Cole? Should, should Mason Cole have a, uh, uh, a prayer meeting? Should Mike Tomlin have a, a prayer meeting with Mason Cole this week and say, look, you either get this right or we're going to Nate?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. It, it depends on the situation, it depends on the man and how you, you how you best coach and, and, and you know, kind of work with a guy that can be different person to person. I mean, you make those declarations, you have to hold yourself to them. And there's a there's, you know, consequence to that. I mean, Mason knows he has to snap better. It's not like you even have to tell the guy you got to get your act together. I think he's a veteran guy, smart enough to to get that. So I don't know what the key is to, to get him to snap better. He just has to do it.
2: We saw this team suffer through Kendrick Green through all those games when they, when they should have put him uh, on the bench. Mike Tomlin ain't making no changes at center.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't expect him to. Um, but, I mean, if Cole snaps continue to be a problem, then... You know, how long do you let that go without right. making a change? It, it, it's a fair question.
2: Right. It is a fair question. And Nate's not all that experienced at the center position, but can he snap the football?
1: Right. I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of other options. It's like, and then Herbig, does he play at left guard? If say Malu's, you know, not playing in this game. And then behind that, Spencer Anderson, the rookie. So, I mean, Cole's going to, you know, let, let's just see how Thursday goes and go from there.
2: You got any relevations real quick off of the all 22? I don't.
1: Yeah, I know we didn't talk about it much, but with the short week, I didn't have any. Honestly, I don't know if I really had like one big takeaway that was different from what I watched live.
2: I mean, Benton, you know, I I didn't focus a lot on Benton on the TV tape, and he stuck out on the All-22 positively. That's one takeaway there. Uh, I thought McFarlane, I mean, not McFarlane, uh, Jalen Warren did some good jobs on getting skinny on some of those runs. And, man, he just burst through that hole, does not he? And once he... Once he, once he hits it, he hits it, man. So I, I'd like to see. I'm, I'm interested. I'm inter- my, my declaration is, is I'm interested to see if Jalen Warren can provide, uh, uh, do enough in this running game against the Patriots if given the opportunity.
1: Yeah, I like the run blocking. I thought James Daniels played a really good game. they think he been too. really, really solid at right guard. His pass pro's been excellent. He's getting a push in the run game, pancaking, linebackers. Um, I was happy with how the line run blocked.
2: All right. Anything else before we wrap this up? Long show. But people got several hours to digest this before the game. There's not going to be a uh, we're not going to have a show Thursday because we, we consider this the pregame show. We'll be back on Friday. Uh, anything else to
1: add, Alex? Nope, wrap things up. Come back Friday and let's all keep our fingers crossed talking about a win. If not, it's going to be it's going to be a week. On the uh, on the Twitter machine,
2: yeah, yeah, it's gonna be hard to talk about this uh, uh, on on Friday if we're talking about a loss. But uh, all right, for people that listen via Pocket Cast, I think, I think, I think I have that squared away. Uh, Hopefully, that's updating. But look, if you ever if you ever go a couple of days and you don't see the feed updating. Uh, know that there's probably a problem somewhere on one of the feeds. Some of these sites uh, use di- different versions of our feed and all like that. That's what happened in this situation. Uh, if it's controllable in my power, I try to get it taken care of, but a lot of times it's not, and such was the case in in in, in, distance, in this instance. So I apologize if you've been having problems getting whatever podcast uh, uh, platform you have uh, updating this if you see it not update go to Spotify or go to steedersdepot.com find a post and try to try to listen into it that way so once again I I apologize for that if you've been having issues uh, Alex and I will be back on Friday you can follow me on Twitter slash X at steeders depot follow Alex at Alex underscore because follow the show at terrible podcast email the show the terrible podcast at gmail.com if you like what we do and want to donate to the cause steedersdepot.com hit the donate button also if you like an ad free version of the site stinersdeepo.com hit the ad free button we appreciate all the support on the site on the podcast on 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 the social media platforms we love you guys and we wouldn't be doing what we do if 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 you guys weren't supporting us so as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex